0: we are super card of hyperbole and we're here to talk about wrestlemania weekend i guess primarily i think we both have a a lot on our minds a lot of stuff to get into but how are you doing tonight
1: i'm good i'm good man it's yes, a lot of wrestling to watch like i think like i think i can speak for both of us when i can see the last couple wrestlemania weekends we haven't like watched a ton of stuff so like this kind of felt like you know, when it makes sense considering that we just have like better guys back on the scene, or at least guys that we were in, that we were more interested in at certain points back around to uh, boost up our interest. But it felt like WrestleMania weekend for the first time in a couple of years. Like it's not great still. There's still stuff that was disappointing or letdowns and all that stuff. But it definitely was the most I've watched in a while when it come when it's come to like this big week of wrestling.
0: Yeah, I'll say I agree with you there. I definitely watched a lot. I don't know that I would say I loved a lot. Um, I did, it,
1: it, Yeah, I didn't say I didn't say that either. I'm just saying, like it yeah. felt like Mania Weekend.
0: It definitely felt like Mania Weekend. I do think that you know I I, I dropped the, the the bomb or the hot take before, like right before we clocked out last week, saying uh, you know this was the blackest WrestleMania weekend. And it's the least buzz, and I stand by that in some ways. Just that it, it, those are. In in irrefutable facts. Um, but also, like, WrestleMania weekend's just not going to have buzz. It feels like not just because everything's falling apart, um, like the Indies and, and COVID and all that stuff, but also because we have a multipolar wrestling landscape now. And I think this was the first weekend, the first WrestleMania weekend of that really being, I think, cemented. Um, Tony Khan, AEW, the number two biggest promotion in America, possibly, I guess you'd say the number two biggest promotion in the world, um, are not going to be a part of WrestleMania weekend. They were, in a weird way, in a roundabout way, they were forced to be this year, but they are not going to officially be a part of it, and they're going to be their own thing. And I think that that means that WrestleMania weekend is not the destination tentpole weekend event of the wrestling calendar anymore, because... If AEW doesn't have a, f- a big fingerprint on it, then it, it you can't say that's all of wrestling. And I think that's part of why there was just almost just not a lot of buzz, not a lot of buzz going into this. Um, but like you said, it felt more like WrestleMania weekend than it has throughout COVID. Um, and there was some, there was some really great stuff and there was some eye openers. There were some people that really made a strong case for themselves over the course of the weekend. And I was trying like hell, I I promise you, I watched so much. And I watched a ton of wrestling that I did not even really want to watch specifically to try to disprove and discredit and have some kind of counter argument for who the MVP of the weekend was. But I have to say the consensus on this is just correct. And like, it was Speedball's weekend. I, I just I tried. I tried like hell, you know, but I couldn't I couldn't figure out anybody. Yeah, else. I'm, I'm
1: yeah, I'm sorry like we I think both of us tried. It's like no, it's it's just him. Yeah. It is him like there's and we, and we have like some thoughts on it that we've talked about like privately or whatever. But like let's dig, let's get the positive, positives out the way first regarding speedball. We love speedball. We loved him for years. We both think super highly of him. He was both on our um top 50 wrestlers of the the decade when we did when we did that we've both been keeping up with his career ever since he was banned from the united states whether it's been been in canada europe his work in ddt we've been following speedball's career we think super highly of speedball and i wouldn't say that we're necessarily authorities on speedball but i think we're both people that have been watching him the whole time is that correct to say
0: oh yeah for a very long time i think for both of us you know dating back to even some pre-PWG, you know, when more people really knew, started to know who he was. Like we talked about it in the past, but heard about him from uh, from Dave Musgrave even like back in the day on podcasts. So follow, been following him that long.
1: So we see Speedball have the ban lifted. We saw that happen recently, and him getting the Impact contract. And this was like, we he had the ACH match earlier this year, which was one of the best matches of the year. So Speedball has been kind of getting his. Momentum back in terms of his U.S. bookings and stuff like that for for his 2022. So it all kind of culminates here, and he goes on this monster weekend, faces Bandita at WrestleCon, uh, the UMora match at Blood at Bloodsport, um, the, Alex she- the Alex Shelley match at, at Impact Show, Jay White. I think he faced Jordan Oliver in there somewhere, and just going all around, going Dave all over, Richards
0: like was actually yeah Dave.
1: Davey Richards, yeah. The
0: Davey Richards match, I honestly would probably say was his best match of the weekend.
1: Yeah, I didn't get, I didn't get to that one yet.
0: Yeah, to me, I, I think actually that was his his best match of the weekend and I don't see people talking about it, which I I, I can understand why people you know didn't go out of their way to, to catch that one out or to check that one out because it's it's Davey and you just think like oh whatever, but honestly, like it was really really fucking good. I would definitely highly recommend people uh, go out of their way to watch that one, but yeah. Um so, tag like ma- so he we see- actually had a tag team match with Davey, t- I'm sorry, but he also tagged with Davey against the workhorse. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I
1: think I, I think I saw the tag. I think I saw the tag with Davey.
0: Yeah, that wasn't as good, but uh but yeah, he uh he definitely had some 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 stuff, man. A lot of stuff.
1: He he worked he worked the like kind of like throwback WrestleMania weekend gauntlet that we saw that we saw guys do back in like the back in like the WWN days. Yeah. Like so that was nice to see, and it was cool to see, and it was cool to like to actually be able to have these conversations or whatever about like a WrestleMania weekend MVP. Like, we saw Daniel Garcia do it, and like, you could have argued Kevin Koo, I guess, at that, at, you know, with that with that year, but it was still pretty clearly Daniel Garcia, and I still think it's pretty clearly Speedball. But I think Speedball worked what we would more typically call like that WrestleMania weekend like grind. Well, and. That's- and
0: Sorry, I keep interrupting. I apologize. But that's good, you Go man. But that's uh, why I thought I could make some kind of other kind of case because the past couple of years that grind hasn't been there. So when I first was thinking about it, like one person who was in my thought for a bit was Hoodfoot because Hoodfoot has three insanely solid performances um, and four matches, and one of which is like fine but not great, right? But. Um, so I thought, okay, you know, in the past couple of years, that would have been enough. That could make somebody's case for the MVP of the weekend. But again, Speedball swamps it because he's got so much.
1: He he has so much and then like again, like everything we watched was good. I didn't get to I I didn't get to see uh the Davy match. Oh god, but did every, you see the, the, every... the
0: Radric match. I forgot about that. Those are the top two. Davy Richards, Cole Radrick. those are the top two speedball
1: I, matches. I, I saw the I saw the yeah, match.
0: That one fucking owns.
1: So I see so like we see him go through go through this whole grind this weekend, and the consensus is Speedball's the WrestleMania weekend MVP, he's back, this and that, and that's great and all as speedball fans, as long time speedball fans that have kept up with him even while he was banned from the US, we're happy to see that. But it did feel kind of weird when you think about the like all of Speedball's footage is like readily available. And it wasn't like he was wrestling in small places this whole time either. He's He was wrestling he was wrestling in Canada still. And we've seen like that the Canadian footage be readily accessible on places like IWTV in the last few years. DDT and how accessible DDT Universe is and how big of a promotion DDT is. You can argue it's the second biggest promotion in Japan. You can argue between them and Dragon Gate. Whatever. But DDT has a prominent promotion in Japan. And before the collapse of the European wrestling scene, Speedball was a regular over there. Whether it was WXW, Rev Pro, OTT spots, or wherever else he might pop up. So it's not like Speedball kind of disappeared into obscurity. So I'm happy to see him get this praise because he deserves it. And he's been one of the best wrestlers in the world for like, you could say 10 years at this point. And I think that you would, and I think that you, it wouldn't be hyperbolic or wrong to say, but it made me start thinking, I think people just haven't been watching speedball this whole time, which is kind of nuts to me when you see the other people that have like risen up and like got prominent bookings and become these big names and stuff like that. They're like, huh? Like maybe people weren't watching or keeping up with speedball as much as I would have thought. And it's been kind of jarring to see that
0: yeah i uh i mentioned it you know in when we were having the proto conversation about this that i do think that i kind of had that that beat out of me already because i'm seeing this pushback from you simon i think evan agrees with it you know more and more like people inside the slack chat agree with this sentiment i think i had this kind of this thing beat out of me because i experienced firsthand with not just like people online but people that i knew and thought that I talked about wrestling and thought that, you know, know, had the camaraderie that we were all into the same stuff at PWG, that when, like, the UK scene exploded into PWG, how many people there were just, like, completely unaware of everything that was going on over there, and had, like, never seen Zack Sabre Jr. before he came out. And these are people that I thought were, like, hardcore. They're hardcore enough to where they're, like, coming to PWG, but, like, if the stuff is not right in front of them, people just don't seek it out. It's kind of crazy. You talk about IWTV... You talk about, you know, WXW. You talk about, like, DDT. Really easily and accessible promotions for anyone to watch. But people just don't go out of their way to watch any of this stuff. It's crazy to think. Because in the past couple of years, I feel like I've stepped back a lot from how insane I was, you know, with the amount of wrestling that I watched. And we're still, like, really, when you think about it, we're still in the top percentage of, of content that we're watching. We're still, you know, like, insane amount of wrestling and seeking out so much stuff that people just don't even hear when we do the top 50 this past year i'm kind of like i feel like it's the 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 thing is gone because i i don't know i i had a lot of fun i really enjoyed doing it but it felt like before i would get you know messages from people and it's like oh i always love to like hear this and hear you talk about wrestlers and you have so much in-depth stuff to say and the background of the matches from people and they're people i've never even heard of you know and you're saying that they're at this top level and you have the you know the the case and the proof to back it up um and i'm just like i just ah, that's not true anymore i'm just like you know everyone has seen all the people that i'm talking about but it's not true <laughs> it's just yeah. not true the people are not no one is seeing this stuff it's fucking crazy
1: it's 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 weird man because like you think that like well er, well you're like in your head, you're like oh well everyone was watching OCT. everyone was watching rev pro everyone was watching WSW. so we should all be aware that speedball's around and speedball's still really good i feel like we should all be aware has like proven that they're in it for the long haul and they have great streams and a wide variety of stuff and with speedballs on it and you're like oh no people just aren't watching it as much and I would think that like with the name speedball had people like there would have been more eyes on some of the stuff but I think that people just kind of forgot about them like and I think that's been the weirder thing I do I do think there are some people that are like might do the thing where they pretend that like speedball wasn't th- wasn't always this good and speedball is quote unquote stepped his game up and that kind of thing which is like a different conversation but I think a lot of people just kind of forgot speedball and like
0: okay, I don't know if listen, I can, I can I, 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 I'm nice saying, a different no, conversation I'm saying, that's just a flat out lie
1: no I no I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm, no I'm saying that like there's some people that use that will sit there and say that they never liked that they didn't like speedball Sure. like I've heard like, like I've heard people say that so then they're gonna act. So then they're gonna come around and be like, "Oh man, Speedball really stepped it up this weekend." Yeah. Like they're gonna they're gonna say they're gonna say stuff like that. And to me, I'm like, I don't know how annoyed I can be with people for their Speedball opinions when it's like maybe I feel like it's a little bit less malicious and more so the fact that I think people might have just really forgot Speedball and like it's sad to say because he has been one of the best wrestlers in the world this whole time. I think that just might be the case.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess that's the, that's the real thing. Um, it's just that people forgot he was definitely very buzzy, but he didn't have a ton of high, high profile stuff. He was really just starting to get there. There was the rumors of the you know AAA signing. Um, there was the rumors of the you know NXT that he was going to be going down there. All that. So all that kind of got cut off a little bit prematurely i guess um and so maybe it was pretty easy for people to forget but i mean yeah even with that i mean it was years before any of that was going on that he won the best of the best right like like he was he was doing stuff in america he was doing stuff i guess (laughs) i was gonna say high profile and i just said best of the best yeah czw best of the best in like the the mid 20 in the mid 2010s was real high profile right no um but yeah like I don't know it's it does seem it does seem crazy and out of the question to me to say like oh he's stepped it up because like this is i'm not gonna say it's worse but it's definitely to me there this was like a dumbed down speedball weekend really um not to say bad but like we've seen a lot better from him when it comes to like investment storytelling you know really like getting the most out of his opponents like Something like the Effie match. I don't know if you watched the Effie match. I can't blame you if you didn't. But like, not very good. <laughs> like, pretty bad. Sweetball kind of doing his. I mean, people forget. You know, he is a, a a Quebecer, and he has hung out with some of those some of the the goofy um, Canadian scene wrestlers. Uh, you think of like, you know, the uh, what are they called? Uh, the Super Smash Brothers. Um, Space Belmar. Monkey. Yeah, yeah. The IWS guys, Space Monkey, all those guys. Like the, that kind of scene. Um, So you can definitely, he definitely can do some goofy stuff. But like something like that, something like the Alex Shelley match, which I think is, or not the Alex Shelley match, but actually that because I didn't love it um, as much as a lot of people, it seems. But the Jay White match, you know, kind of maybe under delivered. Jordan Oliver match, like he, a different speedball could have worked really hard to get a good match out of Jordan Oliver. And and that's not what you got. Um, And then I'm
1: right. But that's that's also the WrestleMania weekend grind. Like that's just what, like, that's just what that is at some point.
0: Yeah, and that's even like I said, where the Davy, the to me the Davy Richards match, the Cole Radrick match, Davy Richards match. That's the back to back for Speedball, and that's towards the end of things, right? Okay, at that point he has this great match with Davy Richards, and I'm like, awesome. Uh, the Work Horsemen have a really good match with a uh, Bandito and Extreme Tiger, and I was just like, fuck. Okay, you know now Davy and. Uh, speedball together, so they they're they're familiar with each other from having just wrestled. Now they're gonna tag up. They're gonna go against the workhorsemen who are, are really hitting. And I was like, this is gonna be perfect. It's the last match of a long weekend, and and he didn't dog it. He didn't take it easy, but he went out there and he just did. It's really just a big like fireworks match. It's just a bunch of big bombs, a bunch of big spot, you know. And that's not that's not what I'm looking for. But you know, that's kind of that is what kind of got over, I guess. And that's why everyone's going crazy for him. He just kind of did a dumbed-down speedball thing, and, and and it's unique. I mean, his offense and his style is very different. That's why he stands out. That's why I think people who, who who don't necessarily love him, once they start to watch him wrestle, will get into him really quickly, or someone who's not familiar with him, think his look is kind of goofy, he looks like a little kid or whatever. Once he gets going, people get into him because it's hard not to, you know, when you when you watch him wrestle, so he was i think he was designed to win he had the most matches that's the crazy part too like going into this why would everyone why why did everyone decide let's all book speedball as much as possible like why was he the guy to get the most matches because there was plenty of people over the weekend who really didn't um and is it just because he's like relatively back on the scene like, is that, was that it? Like, is that why everyone
1: was like, oh, I think, cool? I, 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 I think, I think so. Um, obviously, a part of that is like, you're going out, like, I don't think Speedball has to ask to be booked, but I think that a lot of it, like, you know, you're like, you're like, you're seeking out the bookings at some point, too. And I think that Speedball also went out there this weekend with trying to prove something. And, right. like, that goes to another point. It's like, Speedball Mike Bailey shouldn't have to do that.
0: No. Yeah, he should be uh, he should be being, you know, begged and, and kinda of being able to be more picky about what bookings he wants to take at this point for sure. Because, uh, yeah. Um I don't know, do you have more speedball stuff you want to talk about?
1: Uh no, I think I think I'm good I think I'm good on the speedball stuff. I think like we wa we we of like have three shows in mind to talk about, but at the same time I don't think that we also necessarily wanna run down them whole uh, wholesale review style. Sure, sure. So I'm thinking. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, want to do like just t- like touch on Bloodsport first?
0: Well, I do have just, and it plays into Bloodsport, but one thing I do want to talk about, um, just for the overall weekend, and, and kind of plays into something I mentioned there, uh, particularly with um, um Hoodfoot. Uh, Hoodfoot had, like I said, a really really good weekend. Um, I think one of uh one of the better weekends and honestly probably ends up in my top three for the weekend for for performers. Maybe 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 top five. Um depending. Uh I think another one who's like sneaky in that conversation who I didn't think about until last minute was Bandito. Um actually ended up having a really, really good weekend. Um no matter what you think of him, I guess. Like uh, he was fucking great. Like insane charisma uh, got over in every match that he had and like performed really, really high level. So yeah, a guy who I think him and, and, and uh, Cole Radrick, another one who's in the conversation, I think for, you know, le- less matches, but three really, really high level matches, performances. And then also the, um, the clusterfuck and the, the common story between with those two guys with Hoodfoot and Radrick is, uh, doing death matches, doing bloody, bloody fights. Um, And the thing that crossed my mind today, and it's part of, you know, the WrestleMania weekend as a whole, and the wrestling scene as a whole, the, um, the GCW deathmatchification of American indie wrestling, um, and how it's kind of... I thought about (laughs) the, um, do you remember the Max Landis video that was like, wrestling isn't wrestling or whatever? Yeah, the whole Triple H thing, yeah. Yeah, um death this like gcw death matchification of the indies has like really ran off all of those dorks who like had to talk about like how wrestling is art and tried to like overdo it into like oh wrestling is not just you know wrestling or whatever and it's actually an art form and it's a performance art and all this like it's kind of nice that all of that fucking pretentious bullshit has been ran off and like by all the blood and guts and like people just carving each other up with knives and shit like honestly, I'm I'm happy to have wrestling a little bit more back to people who are into it for wrestling and for the the what it is, and they're not like constantly trying to like defend it and like make it into a bigger right. thing than it is, you know, and just enjoying it for what it is. Hmm. Um, and no, I kind of noticed I think, that.
1: I think that's a I think that's a real thing, but I also think that those people like also like don't know how to like. If if you're still keeping up with like the whole wrestling as an art form thing, I think that like those people just like also can't see the art in that, which is like, which is which is a, I think is a more funny thing because then when it like fits their ideal or their perception of what like something artistic is and like wrestling, then it's like suddenly they're not interested, which I think is like an interesting conversation there.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, because I'm not I'm not saying that there isn't something that's still a performance art two bloody brawls and tough fights and all that it is. It is. Like I like all that stuff and I like it for the performance art aspect of it as well. But the people who are, you know, trying to legitimize this hobby of liking wrestling and make it into like this big, you know I you know, hate to say it, but like a like fancy, pretentious thing and being like, oh, you don't get it. It's actually like in depth storytelling. Like it they can't they can't do that when it's a, you know a a five foot three jacked up steroid gut having fucking freak carving up his head. And then there's pictures of him doing a Nazi salute, you know, and, like the, that guy, they're not going to defend that guy and be like, actually he's an artist, you know? And when that guy is like the face of fucking independent wrestling for some companies, like those people just kind of, they don't have the stomach for it. And I'm kind of like, good. Like, I don't really want you in the scene if you don't have the stomach to deal with like what wrestling really is. Um, cause yeah, like th- this is what wrestling is, man. And it's fucked up and there's a lot of fucked up shit going on in wrestling right now that's like pretty bad uh talking about the nazi salute obviously there's a, a story going on right now that relates to that as well um yeah and it's like i don't know like <laughs> go go do something else <laughs> like don't watch this if you're gonna have a big issue with all that stuff because unfortunately this is that's what wrestling is um but yeah that was a, that just kind of a, popped into my head today
1: all right. Um, do you, were you finally like, kind of like doing like a little bit, a little bit of blood sport right now? Like, yeah, yeah Again, sure. because there's so much wrestling, like we don't have to do these whole th- like whole show reviews. If there's anything that like sticks out to you that like we'll, that we might not mention as far as like big t- big takeaways, and feel free, and I'll do the same thing likewise. But I think it's perfectly good if we start off with Biff versus Moxley, right?
0: Oh sure, hell yeah, let's do it.
1: I think that this is my match of the weekend.
0: I think this is my match of the year.
1: That's. I'm not mad at that. I'm not yeah. mad at it at all.
0: <laughs> I don't think that there's anything that hits the spot for me like this. This is insane. But feel free, go for it.
1: Yeah, I think this, I think this is my match of the weekend. Um, and we'll get to it when we get to Supercard of Honor. But I think something about this and it taking the turn that it took with Biff bleeding all over the place and the intensity and how into it the crowd was and stuff like and stuff like this is like really just drew me in a little a little bit more. Um then the big FTR Briscoe the Briscoes match. I just loved it. I love that Biff has come back and he just wants to bleed all over the place. I fucking think that's awesome. And like we didn't get nearly enough of Biff bleeding when he when he was even on the indies. So to see him come back and just dive headfirst into the into this is like cool as cool as hell to me. And Moxley just getting to a point where you just God damn, dude, the dude is just great at everything. He's rated everything because we just saw him recently have that amazing ma- amazing match with Danielson um, at, Re- at, um, at Revolution. We just saw we saw him go out here here have that ma- have that have this match with Biff, and then like the match wasn't didn't deliver the way that I would have hoped. But then he also can go out there and still like work something like the AJ Gray match uh, from from Spring Break, and it just stuff like this like this match in particular with Biff like really encapsulates why. Moxley feels kind of like like a once in a like lifetime wrestler right now, is because who else can do that? Really, who else can do that? Like you can probably say like Tim Thatcher could do it, but he's just not doing it right now. So John Moxley's the only guy that's kind of filling that spot, and him and his unique charisma and aura and the way they're just beating the absolute shit out of each other and Biff's fire and fighting from underneath and the neat in the in the and I loved the finish too. I just loved, I loved every I loved every bit of this.
0: Yeah. This this was an interesting one cuz this was all about the convergence of the two men, the two characters on this weekend. This was the perfect storm. I think I think you have this match any other time, any other place um and there's I don't think that you can have this match. I think not just, like, the WrestleMania weekend. Not just the Bloodsport. All that stuff adds to it. But at this point in both of their careers. Like, I think John Moxley... John Moxley before WWE. Dean Ambrose during WWE. At any point in time, I don't buy Jon Moxley taking it to Biff Busick the way that he does in the opening parts of this match. And Biff, from the beginning right obviously took Biff that seriously to where even you know early CZW John Moxley I don't buy him taking it to Biff the way that he does opening up this match but because of what Moxley has been through now because of you know there's the Dean Ambrose stuff but then everything he's done since and the way that he's proven himself and the death you know the Death Rider thing and and going through to the G1s and just hard battle fought and tested coming back from the the brink going to rehab all that that's why I like I buy it and I buy into it huge like what the fuck he's railroading Biff from the start and it was the perfect setup it never would have crossed my mind that that's the way that they should do the match never not even for a second would I think you know what how this should open is that Moxley should come out and just fucking railroad Biff from the start I would have never thought about that like oh no they need to test the waters no because again like I said Biff has proven or Moxley has proven himself up until this point and I can buy into him doing this. And so then he has to come out and actually show me it and do it and do, you know, show that he is actually, everything that he's been through, he's at this fucking level and he takes it to him and it's shocking. And it really takes me out, out of like my, what I would have predicted, what I was expecting, but I believe it. That's the, that's like why I thought fucking hell, like, this is so good because what this match did was it like, everything was set up. Everything was there. All the pieces were there. There's nothing about it that I shouldn't have been able to predict. But as soon as it happened, it fucking, it all like hit me all at once. But I like didn't see it coming. It's, it's insane to take something that just makes complete sense. Nothing's fucking crazy. Nothing's out of the ordinary, but I didn't see it coming and it still comes at me and hits me. And in the moment that it hits me, it's just all like, there's no real shock. It's not surprise. It's just like, well, duh, of course. Like, how did I not see this coming? And then yeah, then Biff gets busted open, and instantly everything fucking changes. Everything changes once Biff is busted open, and he's he's like a fucking wounded animal. I mean, he's just he's backed into a corner. He's been getting fucked up, and then now it's like this is it. I've got my last gasp of energy. This is my only chance.
1: Hasn't it been so weird? Hasn't it been so weird? Like, and it's like at least in like the I think the two most prominent Biff matches since his return, it's like. We think of Biff as this ultimate ass kicker or whatever, and I think at his core we kind of forget that he is like a ultimate fiery underdog babyface. Like he has those kind of qualities in him, and like we get so wrapped up in like his ass kicking ways, where you just want to kind of want to see up there and see him go out there and do that, slap the shit out of people and all and all that stuff. But Biff is right at home being that underdog fiery babyface, and then this was. I think an exemplary moment of that, where oh yeah, like no one fires up as good as Biff Busick does. No one can just fire off a random chop that reverberates through the through the, through the arena and like sh- can shift the tide of the momentum the way that Biff does. Like no one else has that.
0: Yeah. No. No. It's 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 insane. Um. Like. It's the, the Thatcher Ishi kind of thing um, where, like, you think of him as the hard-ass, but, yeah, where they really shine is the selling. And Biff is the same, out of the same mold. And so, like, the selling. But, yeah, when he fires back up and, and I mean, there's just something so natural about the way Biff does it. Like, other people try to do it, try to do the same thing, and it feels forced, you know? It feels like... It doesn't make any sense. Why, how does it just switch? It's out of nowhere. But when Biff fires up and he gets back into it and the blood is pouring down, I mean, fucking leaking like a geyser, um, you buy into it. It's just so emotionally impacting. It's impossible not to. Not to just like completely buy it and just go like, holy shit, this is fucking on. And like I said, it was a quick burst because that's all he had. I mean... That was all he was gonna have left. Was this last quick burst of energy, and uh, it was not enough. <laughs> Moxley obviously withstood it. Um, it was it was clearly not going to be. It was not a, a great plan <laughs> in Biff's like you know uh, idea here. He was basically he was fucked. He was fucked, and he had one burst of energy, and he was going to do everything that he could. To try to, he had to do it fast. He had to move quickly, and possibly burn him out, possibly catch him, catch Moxley really quickly. But Moxley just held his ground, uh, kept kept fighting him off, and then, and then overcame and won. And then after it though, like that, even that little bit, even that little you know fire that Biff shot off, and uh, and he still took a piece out of Moxley. And I like that because at the end of it, Moxley still looks like he he was in a fight. It was a struggle. It was tough. Um, he was in control for most of it but he definitely wasn't, uh, he didn't come out of this and, and look like he wasn't just in a real fucking scuffle and that it really didn't take a piece of him so I really I really fucking enjoyed that like and again like I said building up Moxley from from where he was where he's been to now like to where you can have a match like this and I really believed it I really believed that like you said ultimate ass kicker kind of guy like uh like biff can be taken just completely fucking mauled for the most part by moxley here to the point where the only time that biff got any kind of urgency or or fired up was like once once the blood started pouring he was like holy shit i'm fucked i gotta do something and then just threw everything to the wind and burnt out (laughs) pretty much instantly and and moxley being who he is just continued to control and, and took it over so yeah this was phenomenal like i said this is just the way that everything hits, like for me right now, Matt, it's my match of the year. I, I love the the Danielson Page match, um, the Moxley, or yeah, the Moxley Danielson match. Uh, even the the Super Con of Honor tag that everyone's talking about, but no, like this is it for me because it's real basic. It's man, you know, man versus man, big ass fight. Um, so yeah, this was uh, this was it for me.
1: Um, other stuff I think is worth noting. On Bloodsport, Mike Bailey versus uh, Yuya Uemura, I thought this was incredible. I think that Yuamura, the more that I see him, the more it feels like out of the young lions that were still waiting to make it back to Japan, he feels like the best one. Yeah, He continues to feel like, oh yeah, this guy like is going to be a really, really really good worker like i don't know what their plans are for him character wise i don't know what 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 a push plan is for him and everything but like between all the guys that we're still waiting to see make their way back to japan i think uemura very much has the highest ceiling at least as a worker and i'm excited to see what's possible for him but yeah, yeah, man, this speedball match was fucking fantastic. I loved it when it starts ramping up and speedballs and starts throwing the kicks. It's absolutely absolute insanity. I love how you amora had the crowd had the crowd come in glued for like a simple slam at points. And I think they really like as a testament to the intensity in which he delivered it with and the timing and everything that goes went along with this match. So I I loved it. It it might be my favorite speedball match. That I that, that I that I saw this weekend, okay. the rad the ratty the ratty match is right there. I still haven't seen the Davy match, but it's between that you are more that and match and the red in the Radrick match for me at least at least so far.
0: Yeah, and it would be it's in the conversation for me. Uh, but I think I would have the ratty match uh, or the Davy match, you know, higher. Um, but it's <laughs> top three top three speedball match of the weekend, which is still saying something because speedball had like you know probably like four of the top 10 matches of the weekend really um but yeah the, that one yeah you're right everything there was phenomenal you Yu feeling like uh the second second coming of tamahashi hopefully hopefully this one doesn't get stuck uh mucking it up in the house of torture like the last one um but yeah the uh that was a that was good um Janai Kai and Masha Slamovich had another one of their really good, you know, they have great chemistry with each other. This one felt a little bit more violent than some of the recent times um, that I've seen them, so I, I liked that. By the end of it, Masha looks like a fucking bleeding mess, which is good. Um, I liked Royce Isaacs and Bad Dude Tito a lot. I thought that this was like a bit a big time, like a heavyweight kind of mid card heavyweight fight. They kicked the shit out of each other. They look, they look like bad dudes. Um, really enjoyed that kratos and thatcher obviously tons of fun yeah there. That, uh,
1: that, was, that was that finish was fantastic
0: <laughs> yeah i thought that whole match was set up really well uh tim just fought his ass off the whole way through kratos dude, what about the
1: know, pop what about, what about the pop for tim it was, like, that yeah, was kind of surprising great, wasn't man. it it was well, like, like it was really cool i mean whole, yeah i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like for, year, for sure if you're to the blood sport then like i would think that you're a tim thatcher fan but still it was like oh wow like I was I was I, I was still I kind of like taken taken aback by it, but I was like happy about it and I really enjoyed it. Yeah,
0: I I loved it and, and yeah, Thatcher home in front of a crowd that actually gets him and respects him. Getting to do Tim Thatcher things, which again is like selling, looking like a fucking maniacal madman, loving twisting people's limbs apart, um, just being sadistic, but then also getting to put over his buddy and uh, and uh, you know having a. Uh, just a badass brawl (laughs) blood involved obviously, which is great. It's always good to, uh, to get some color. It really makes the matches as as we, as we have seen over the course of the past couple weeks or so, um, more and more blood just really adding to, adding to this. And then, um, Barnett and Jonah, I mean, they did like a similar, they kind of did the big man, little man thing, but this was even more like, I liked it. Yeah. I thought more extreme version of the big man, little man, uh, conundrum like you know but josh is not small but jonah was just so fucking big and so such a big like movable object for barnett to have to work around and jonah also didn't uh didn't try to go out of his way to like you know show off and be like oh I'm, i could go hold for hold on the mat with barnett like barnett had him pretty much the whole way through technically jonah was like not super skilled but he used his size advantage the entire time And just stayed on Barnett the whole way. And, you know, even did the fucking shoot senton, you know, big love a love a shoot senton. Um, Yeah, like like just a lot of like a a really good cat and mouse game, a really good game of like a, a, a master maestro trying to show up. And he did a similar. I mean, Barnett did a similar thing with the Tiger Ruas match, right? It was like the same concept where he's he's the old gunslinger. He's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve and a lot of bags and he's going up against a guy who's got him outmatched in some way. With the Ruas match, it was that, you know, Ruas had better technique on his specific styles, and, and Barnett had to pull out his bag of tricks and use his power to overcome. Same thing here. Like, now he's going up against a guy. but he's got his size. He's much more powerful than him. Barnett has to figure out some ways to overcome uh, the more powerful guy. I like that. I like Barnett having the logic and the the continued, like, learned the uh, psychology that goes from match to match, where you're continuing to be, like, okay, listen, whatever. Like, politics aside, is the guy a jack-off, all that stuff? Whatever, but... Like, he's the old gunslinger. He's Clint Eastwood of, of shoot-style wrestling. That's the story that, that uh, Josh Burnett is telling, and I kind of dig it. You know, I, I hate to say it. I don't like Clint Eastwood movies. I don't like fucking westerns, but I like uh, I like grappling. So you tell me the same kind of story in the grappling setting, I'll get into it, right? Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of it. I mean, I don't know. Coughlin Slade was fine. Um, what do you think of Mac, Mac and yo Because a lot of people were hating on it, and, you know, especially the finish
1: what do you think it was fine i mean i don't really care like i don't really care like yeah like i don't really have like strong opinions i thought it was like a i guess like a fine like little novelty novelty thing to throw on there like i didn't i i i wasn't offended i wasn't offended by it
0: i wasn't offended at all i thought it was something different i thought like i thought mac actually looked good in this setting honestly he's pretty fucking he talented did. like this
1: he didn't he didn't he didn't look awful
0: no he didn't look out of his place He's going up against a real shooter but they're also they're the small guys and they had to do something neat I think the biggest problem with this match is where they put it they shouldn't have put it so early in the card they should have put it later so that you had a you had time to build up people kind of getting used to stuff that was a little bit more slowed down and a little bit more kind of traditional shoot style so that this would have stood out and popped a lot more as like holy fuck these guys are going crazy right because that said like if you open up early with this i think people just see like oh they're not doing what they're supposed to do they're, they're not doing shoot style we're supposed to be seeing shoot style like when you get into the shoot style people want to just see that so when you open up the show with something like this i think people they're just rather than appreciating it for the novelty of what it is they're just thinking like oh they're not doing it right like that is just kind of what my my kind of maybe my little takeaway on it
1: i understand that we get like like for me it was like I think I think in theory it makes sense as an opener, but like I think that you probably just could have went with the Marina match instead of uh, Like, you I think that would have been like a, I think I think it, I think that would have fit too. But I don't know. Like, I I, de- I definitely get, I definitely get where you're coming from with that one. Yeah. Um, do you want to stick with GCW and kind of like uh sure. talk about uh for the culture real quick? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, uh, okay.
1: So, I want to get one. I want to get a couple out the way real quick. Uh, hit row. Um, they they faced Shane Taylor Promotions. I, for, I forgot what they were going by now. but um,
0: Oh, God, what did they call them? They had some stupid name for it.
1: Anyway. I, for, I forgot what the fuck it was. But either way, A.J. Francis did not look bad. No. He did, not, he, did, he did not look bad. I still think that working indie is not the best way for him to develop, honestly. I still think he's very much like... Excuse me. Depending on how much he wants to wrestle, it's like very much still like a PC like he should be kind of like taken care of, incubated like type of guy and like really protected. But he definitely showed some like flashes there, and I think that having him in there with people like show it with like Shane and O'Shea uh, definitely definitely highlighted what they like what the potential that still does exist there. So if they still plan on wrestling. If they still plan on making this a thing that they like that they're really into, I still see some. I still see some potential there. And I was never head over heels for Hit Row. I didn't think it was this money, this money act or whatever. Nah. But I'm still glad. I'm still glad to see uh to see them out there. I'm like, yeah, you know, I I can see it. I can see the potential that exists.
0: Sure, but you got them in there going up against the Shane Taylor promotions team, O'Shea and uh, and Shane Taylor, and it's like, why do I really need Hit Row when we've got <laughs> you know Shane Taylor promotions already around? Like. Again, like I just, I don't, like you said, like we don't really. If they really want to, good for them. And I think that Tahuti Miles, from what I've heard, is really into wrestling, so he'll he'll probably continue with it. AJ Francis, I don't know. I don't know if he wants to wrestle or if he just wants the money. Like whatever, that's up to that's up to him, what he decides to do. Um, I guess they're called they called the team the Hitmakers. I don't know if they're going to stick with that name. Um, I don't even know if they're going to stick with being a team, right? This could be a one-off booking. They just got released relatively recently. You're doing for the culture, you know, whatever. We'll see. But, yeah, AJ Francis didn't look out of place. I have never seen the motherfucker wrestle. Like, this is my first time ever seeing him wrestle. Um, I've seen him talk a little bit, but I didn't see – I don't remember him having a match in NXT. I don't watch main roster shit, so I don't even know if he wrestled up there. But, like, I had never seen him do shit, and he was fine. He was fine. He did some interesting stuff. You know, he did some, some stuff that looked unique, which I like. I like for for someone who's an outsider to come into wrestling and do some things that look different, look like you're not just doing all the same shit that they tell you. And especially if you start out in the PC, right? You expect that everybody who comes out of the PC training, they just do everything exactly the same, right? Like, like, they. Uh, it's true that a lot of them do. You can t- you can tell the little details where they move exactly the same. He doesn't. He moves his own way, he does some stuff, it doesn't not like oh he's just bad and sloppy, but like that he does it unique. He does his own kind of spin on things. I like that because that's what wrestling has fucking always been and it's been great. When you got people coming from other other disciplines, other sports and they get into wrestling and they bring a unique flavor to wrestling, right? Um, so yeah, I was just like, damn, the flip, the, the moonsault was whatever, like, okay, cool, but the, the fucking, the, the, the boot and flip over the top rope thing that he did, that was pretty nuts, honestly. That was like some Chris Hero shit, so, you know, gotta give some love to him, like I said, for pulling that stuff off. Uh, Shane Taylor and, 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 uh, O'Shea, I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen with these guys, right? Because there's so many of these people now who, who supposedly were like ROH, not interested in AEW like oh you know blah 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 like what the fuck do they do now (laughs) like they can't be like oh i don't want anything to do with AEW or tony Khan and shit um and i just want to be like an roh kind of guy yeah now you
1: know now that that makes a little awkward huh
0: yeah what the fuck you gonna do because shane taylor and shane taylor i guess talked some shit there was some like heat on the way out and uh and all that so fuck it sucks because where does where does someone like shane taylor go now right like and the shane taylor promotion is a money act
1: yeah, it, it 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 sucks. Like that's definitely something I thought about as I was watching Super Card of Honor, and I'm like, ah man, like that kind of sucks. And like a thing that I wish like probably could get talked out and worked out, but like I don't, I don't know, man. That's a different that's a different conversation.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay, so we skipped the opener when you got into this, but can I ask you a question and just you know give me your honest opinion? Uh, okay. When after all the hoopla and all this, when are we allowed to publicly say that Big Swole isn't that good?
1: In the <laughs> solo episode that I was going to do yeah. about the situation around that time before I got COVID, I was going to talk about that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, still applies. It's still true. Um, I love Tasha Steeles. I think Tasha. Right. I think. I think. I think Tasha Steeles is a. Uh, Super char- super charismatic, and is like continuously improving in the ring. Um, and I think Swole tries hard. I think she works hard. I think she has like certain spots that look good and everything. But I mean, yeah, I was perfectly fine saying that as soon as the as soon as the news as soon as the news and everything was happening, I was <laughs> right. perfectly fine coming out and saying that like if we're gonna pretend like we don't need to pretend that Swole's a good wrestler. If you want to say that like she has valid critiques of the of the company, I think that's fine. But I don't think that we need to pretend that she was this great wrestler to to do that.
0: Right. And that was the thing, I think, with all the Tony, the Tony response and all that, that was, like, the messy and the mistake. The mm-hmm. first initial tweet of just saying, like, we parted ways because I didn't think she was that good, and that was his response, that was it. Yeah. And it should have been done. When he then, like, kind of backtracked on it and started, like, making like, excuses and talking about, like, oh, you know, the top EVP or the top executives of the company are people of color when it's, like, you know, again, we, well, we've well, talked well, this
1: well, to death. Well, well, all of that was bad. I think that, like, from, from an executive standpoint, like, Tony should have known better. Even if he felt like, okay, like, you're making this seem a certain way that it isn't, and I'm going to defend myself here. Even if he felt that way, he just shouldn't have done it. He, sure. just, should, he, just, he just shouldn't have said that. Even if it's true. Even if, in his mind... I let her go because I don't think she's that good. Even if that's the truth, and I believe him, like, he still shouldn't have said it. Like, he still, she just should have just, like, like, let let that pass, do whatever. He made it worse by doing that. And then the whole backtracking and then how it looks when other people are speaking up about it, even if they're giving their own valid experiences about their time in the company, it all just comes out and, like, looks a certain way. So, like... Yeah. I think I think that ultimately for Tony in my opinion the thing was you're an executive you just got to eat that I know that you're a poster you're a poster at heart you're out in public you have no problem talking you love talking about wrestling you love getting getting your takes out there taking jabs doing whatever you can't do that and then also in the same tweet then promote it, it, then promote the rampage it looks <laughs> it looks bad you can't do yeah. that.
0: Yeah, that's true. Make a burner, my dude. Make some sock puppet accounts to, to post. Even if you, uh, even if everyone knows that it's your burner, it's at least a, a little bit of separation from the the corporate account and the, and the real account, right? Like you can't, uh, yeah, you can't be. You're right. It was definitely me- it was messy, but I just I just thought you know me personally, I think just saying I don't she just wasn't good enough for for w- the quality of wrestler that I want on my roster. I think that's like. That was the least offensive of the things that he said, and then when he said it, it, it into is, that,
1: but then yeah. when you look at the optics of again, and I'm not saying that this is right. If you look at the optics of this black woman just airing her grievances, and your response is to talk about that she's not good at her job, it right. <laughs> it looks really bad.
0: Right? Yeah, it's true. It's true.
1: Um, but, but but either way, as this was happening. I think you were there. I think that you were in the chat as we were talking about this and the news was breaking. My point the whole time was like, I mean, yeah, she's not good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't really know what you want to happen right now. Are you saying that like her versus Diamante should have been on like AEW programming? I mean, sure. I mean, like I feel like if you want to sit there and argue that, hey, well they just aired a Julia Hart match on TV. I think that that's a fair point. But in terms of like putting the whole Diamante and Swole program on TV, I think that yeah, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have done that. If you're saying that Swole could have gotten some of those T V job spots and doing whatever, that's a that's a that's a different conversation. And a lot of our critiques were valid. But yeah, I think that people are people were friends with Swole. They're friends with Swole. Right. They like her. They like her story. Knows what she goes through. She's a cool person. She seems like a really nice and fun person. So, I think people are automatically going to want to go to bat for her. And maybe aren't being entirely truthful about her wrestling skills. Because they like her. Which happens. And it's fine. And they're not, like, bad people for that. But it's like, okay, we all watch wrestling here. Everyone has different opinions, different tastes. But... So I've seen Swole for years and I she's probably gotten a little bit better but I've never seen Swole and thought oh man she really had it I always thought she, she was charismatic I always thought that she was fun had a big personality but in terms of actual in ring ability in terms of when the bell rings I never thought she had it so here in this in the same case where this is kind of like presented as, a, as this big match you're gonna see the reaction Swole gets when she comes out it's like she kind of feels like a star it's all there And then the bell rings and I don't really feel that compared to Tasha Steeles where I feel like she starts and like I still get that same charisma and feeling throughout the match.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And Swole was one where like um, early on when I first started seeing her and I saw her live a couple of times early on, uh, I thought potential. Like you're saying, the charisma is there. The presence is there. And I thought, okay, this, you know, she's got potential. She could do something. Um so when you say like in the ring never interested I I or never said like oh she's got it like I kind of said like oh there could be something there but yeah it's just it's never really developed um she's gotten mechanically a little bit better but otherwise not yeah like hasn't developed hasn't really met the potential that was there um and kind of just is fine and is really likable and that's cool I mean that's the thing there's so many there's stories of so many fucking wrestlers who not only like this isn't even necessarily swole because you just talk about it. She's got charisma in the ring or, or she's got charisma on the camera, on the screen. But, like, the personality backstage people get more emotionally invested in and people really love her and all this stuff. And there's tons of stories of wrestlers who are like that, who are, you know, bigger stars in the locker room than they are in the ring. And that's maybe kind of where she's at. And, like, I don't know, Tony's not looking. Maybe, Maybe this is a bad thing, you know? Maybe this is... This is like that social thing that you have to keep in mind that you have to keep some of those people around because it's part of building up a good locker room. And maybe Tony's not thinking about that because he's thinking just about the business side of things. Um, but, yeah, like he's not trying to just have like a locker room full of uh, a people, a, a locker room full of stars who aren't over on TV. Right. He wants to have people that are over on TV and that's what matters. So either way, um Trisha Dora versus MJ Jenkins, a better women's match. (laughs) Trisha Dora is still not amazing, but uh, I think, you know, it's weird. She's gotten, she seemed like she had more potential and was doing more stuff that I was into. She stepped away from doing a lot of the technical grappling stuff that I was really liking. And then was kind of shaky and not looking that good. And then now feels like she's starting to develop a new style that she's good at. So she feels like she's getting better, and the entire way through, she's always had star power and aura. Um, so I just think she needs to pick something and stick with it, or try to just get really good at something, and maybe not. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Uh, yeah, she kind of. I think I think I'm with you there. She kind of confuses me in terms of like just stylistically. It's like it's fine to be good at multiple things, but you should have that one thing that you're really good at still. And like, I don't know what that is for trish yet and you can say that there's like not a ton of like other like women's wrestlers in which she could like do that with i then think that would be like the that would be the point and that maybe like that's why you try to like do some you know create create something that still creates engaging matches but still can be uh a little bit plug and play with the other wrestlers that you're gonna be going going out there uh yeah. going against so i see I see that for sure and I think there is some uh there's some things that need to be worked out with it, but I but I, I definitely see what you mean.
0: Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think that she's she's putting it together maybe to try to do a little bit, something that, like you said, is a little bit more broad based style. But that's a bummer to me because I would have liked it if she had focused on grappling and doing the technical stuff and really just like honed her craft on that and really done it. But like you said, it's tough. But it's not that tough. We talked about there was two different women's matches on Bloodsport. There's four different women right there who are all high level can do that kind of wrestling with her and that's not every you know woman in the world that can do the technical wrestling there's plenty of others that can i know but but there's a
1: line but there's a line between like you know what i mean like what trish does and then doing like blood sport shit there's still a line sure
0: sure but yeah my point is just being that there there are some female wrestlers that she could do some grappling kind of stuff with either way the match for is fine. Sure. MK Jenkins has a ton of personality, and everything she did looked good. i have never seen MJ Jenkins before, I'll admit. And uh, I feel like you,
1: I feel like I feel like you have. So you've been around a couple different times. If you saw like the Mae Young Classic, I don't know oh, if like you I, ever saw like I didn't watch never you dad. never saw that. No. Okay. And then and then she got like and then she got it and then she was an Impact for a while. Um, oh. But I, I but I know but I that you're not uh, a regular Impact watcher. <laughs> whatever, no, and it looks so.
0: like she's done a ton of NXT stuff.
1: Yeah, she she, she yeah. She's, she's gotten um she's very well liked. She's yeah. very well liked. People like respect her work ethic and all that kind of stuff. She's like super well liked, and I, I like her, and I want to, I want to see her keep getting better and eventually get bigger spots and stuff. Um, yeah, damn, okay, well, she Let's Signed
0: do... to NXT Cause
1: she had like a. She might have. She might have been. I think she might have been. Yeah, maybe that's why. I've I, seen her I, I think she might have. Yeah, maybe I'm confusing confusing her getting signed with <laughs> to Impact and her being actually yeah, signed to NXT. Maybe, um, so. Darius Darius Lockhart versus AJ Gray. Yes. Um, it felt like a big match. But then I'm not sure it delivered that way. Um, it's good. I still I still enjoy the match. I enjoy the dyna- dynamic between them. Uh, I feel like they didn't really commit to the kind of match they were trying to have. Or the story they were trying to tell. If they were going to go at something with Darius' te- technical approach. And AJ's smash mouth uh, Talking shit, uh, talking shit straight up in your face style. I feel like that would have. There's a way in which to bridge that gap, and I feel like they didn't really go all the way there. uh, Go all the way there with it. Like I remember, like I think a better version of this is like Lee Moriarty versus AJ Gray from that from that GCW show uh, last year. Yeah. And like I feel like they're trying to strike similar chords, not in the not in the same pace, rather because they're treating it like this is a really big match. But in terms of like, kind of like bridging that gap on style, I felt like did that better than they did here. And I'm not exactly sure who to put the blame on there. It could be both of them. And um, I think that there's a better match in them to be had. But I liked it, and I felt like I just felt like they didn't really communicate with each other what they were trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah, I think... I think, and honestly, I hate to do this because you know I'm a big fan, but I put it on Darius more than anything because I've, I've talked about this enough times on the podcast in the past to talk about, like just like you said, the story of the match uh, being that, that AJ is the brawler, the bruiser, and the, the kind of more in-your-face Smash Mouth style and Darius can do the technician thing. Darius did not really let AJ have that shine. He spent too much of the match... Um, Not only not selling big enough for the big strikes and the big brawling of AJ, but also he spent too much of the match counterpunching with AJ. Um, He didn't sell huge for AJ really ever. He didn't sell that he was ever intimidated by AJ's toughness. And he was throwing big bombs back, back at him. And I just think, yeah, if you want to tell that story, you do it more like Lee Moriarty did where Lee Moriarty was cagier. He's trying to stay away from the big onslaught from AJ because he knows that he can't withstand it. Um, and you can tell you can tell this that story that other way as well you could even tell the story where where darius bullies aj throughout this match and and you know and you kind of did i mean darius was in control for long stretches of time but uh you just i just think you're always better off letting your opponent shine at what they shine at and letting yourself shine at what you shine at instead of trying to um trying to compete with them at what they're best at and you know end up everyone just kind of looking whatever um so yeah, I I, I do and, and hey, you know what? it's not fair to say I put the blame on Darius because I don't know how they put the match together. I don't know how they called the match. It could have been AJ. AJ could have called it that way. But when I watch the match, what I see is Darius didn't let AJ have his role, Darius fill his own role that was something different. Um, and and then that way you can have that Styles make fights kind of thing. and that was the that was to me a big a big issue with the match. And I think it was a tough showing for this to be (laughs) building up for AJ to have a title match, um, which I guess we're not going to talk about. Um, maybe we will, maybe we can talk about that after we close out.
1: Yeah. I I saw it. So I definitely want to, uh, yeah. So I think we should talk 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 about 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 that because I think
0: this should have been about building up for AJ getting the title match that to me felt like should have been the focus of the, the weekend for GCW. And it was to me, in my mind, it was the big match of the weekend for GCW. Um, it didn't yeah. deliver in general, and it definitely didn't deliver on being you know what I was hoping for. Um, but before we move on to it, do you want to talk about um, the four way that happens after this? I don't have much to say about it. If you have any thoughts, feel free. Uh,
1: no, we can um. And if you want to, so we can just we, we can talk about Hoodfoot versus Billy Dixon. Yeah, you, you I can, was you, can say, uh, get, you, you can talk about that for a little bit. Do
0: want to talk about that? These two went the fuck. Off. I loved this like just insane fucking deathmatch hardcore obviously brawling wild chaotic fight um to start out and then you know they did a really good job teasing teasing the gimmicks you know they they hit the floor early on before they even use I I love that because when you do these kind of um light match this wasn't even like an officially you know a light tube because they'll do Basically, a lot of matches will do this, where they put the light tubes up on the ropes, and then it'll be like a 10,000 tubes match or whatever, you know, 100 tubes, whatever they call it. Um, And then the focus of the match will be the tubes, and then that's it. You just do a bunch of light tubes. They had that. They had it set up, but then they hit the floor. They brawl around, and then so then they build up the suspense to the tubes. They don't fucking just blow blow the wad on that. And that's, I mean, this is why Hoodfoot is, is in this conversation of being... Quickly becoming one of the best deathmatch wrestlers, and such an entertaining and unique deathmatch wrestler and guy to watch. I mean, like I said, he had a fucking weekend of deathmatches, and uh, each one was different. Each one was kind of its own thing, and 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 he bringing something unique and different to all of them. And he did it here by not just going out there and just start raining down fucking glass. No, like brawl around the big fucking fight on the apron with the bump through the table spot was fucking awesome. These guys are matched up, you know you know pound for pound big big tough brawlers i
1: didn't i didn't uh, i didn't hate, i didn't i didn't hate the one count spot
0: no no that was that was good and then yeah then once the tubes start flying and the blood starts fucking raining down and, and or the, the glass starts raining down and the blood is flowing then this shit just really gets in there and another thing about what's you know where fucking hoodfoot is so good man this guy is comes across sadistic and he knows how to grind and work the fucking cuts you know shearing the tubes into the fucking head just again sadistic looks like he's fucking just out here for out here for just all kinds of wanton violence and aggression i i i love it he lives he you know just lives for this fucking this uh this element. He's meant for it. He's it feels so natural in there now. Instantly. I mean I I I just I just don't know. This guy is so good. And I, I was loving Hoodfoot before, even like when he was doing the fucking like shoot style grappling kind of thing. But he's really in his element here. I just think I don't know what else we're gonna see from Hoodfoot. He's he's still, you know, just getting going and he's taking this foray into deathmatch and maybe he'll stick with it, but who knows if he moves on to something else. But yeah, he He had a no-ring deathmatch with Masada. Um, before this, totally different, wild chaotic brawl, the no ring thing, whatever. It's all over the place. He's got this death match with Billy Dixon. He feels more like he's the driving force behind it. Like I said, uniqueness of it to so like kind of build things up. It's not the way that everyone does this stuff. And then he has another death match with uh, Casanova Valentine. Um, that's another like kind of uh, you know, it's quick, it's snappy, a lot of action. Casanova Valentine is kind of kind of uh, the the driving force behind it. And then he's got obviously the rematch with Madman Pondo. Um, which is just fucking nuts as well. And, uh, and and Pondo looked good. The first match with Pondo, I thought Pondo looked insanely immobile, whatever, blah, 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 but But that one, he looked good. But yeah, Dixon then starts... When Dixon gets his shine, he's hitting like wrestling spots because he's still... Dixon's more of a wrestler, so I kind of like that. Um, he's trying to do like some of his normal wrestling stuff, but it's not really not really hitting. So then Dixon gets into being violent and bloody and, and doing the deathmatch thing. And uh, he takes to it pretty well too. And uh, so yeah, I just i thought this was fucking great i thought these guys just absolutely murdered each other again the the, the aggression the violence and uh just hoodfoot feels at home in this in this playground i mean just covered him covered in blood covered in glass and still has all the swag has all the has all the fucking um just like coolness to him and also just like at home just being fucking like sadistic i i loved it uh yeah uh, quentin what did you think
1: I loved it too. I thought it was really. I thought it was really great. Um, I've seen Billy in other death matches, and I feel like this is probably the best one I've seen Billy in. Hoodfoot is taken to this extremely quickly. Um, did they? Did they announce like a Hoodfoot versus Ratty death match, or did I make that up?
0: Um. Ooh, I hope so. That that's very possible that they did, and I just don't remember. Um. But well, Ratty has even, even if it's not a- death matches.
1: Even if it's not announced, I would just just putting it out in the universe. that I would like to see Hoodfoot versus Raddy in a death match. Yes, uh, please p- putting that out there for whoever uh, wants to make that happen. But no, I thought I thought it was I thought that I thought that's what that was really good. And Hoodfoot, he just became, he's just a much must watch guy at this point. That even if the match isn't necessarily great, he's becoming one of those tiers of wrestler like like kind of like Nick Gage for me. Where like you can say Hoodfoot versus anybody, and I'm gonna want to watch it.
0: And he, like I said, he's so fucking versatile. I mean, really, like, th- there's a no ring match with, a uh, rounds match with, um, Alex Kane that he had last year that's just like a sick ass brawl with nasty fucking suplexes on cement floors, right? But it's not, you know, it's not a death match. It's like a, it's a tough, like, wrestling, grappling fight. And, uh, like, even that, he's so good in. Yeah, this guy is just very, very, uh, very, he's like really, I mean, I guess when you compare it, I get. I don't know. Death matches are not like the same kind of violence as that kind of brawl fight. You know what I mean? It's like it's definitely violent. That's the thing. That's
1: the. Through it's line. It's, that, that's that's yeah. the thing we've all talked. That thing people have talked about before when it comes to like death matches is that people to like hyper focus on like the blood and the cuts and the scrapes. But it's, like something like being like backdrop drivered on like exposed boards. Yeah. It's probably it's probably like a little it's probably a little bit more dangerous than that.
0: Right. But yeah, I mean the through line is violence, but he is very versatile and uh, and yeah, Hoodfoot is like you said must watch kind of guy for sure. Um, definitely, definitely worth checking out anything he does really. Um, um
1: let's do that one match from Spring Break because I feel like both the Spring Break shows. uh Biff versus Biff versus Tony Deppin was fine. A yeah. little bit of a letdown. I think Biff. Where I mean, honestly, I don't. I don't think Biff was ready to do a grind like this. To be honest with no. you. All the all all the matches were were, were watchable and they're like still good. I don't think Biff was ready for this kind of kind of grind though, which is fine though. He still has the match. He still has the match of the weekend. Uh, yeah, and for the me. Devon so match was
0: his second best match of the WrestleMania weekend. So
1: yeah. Um, but let's get this out of the way and then we can finish out finish out the GCW portion. Yes. AJ Gray versus John Moxley. Supposed to be the biggest match of the weekend for the biggest indie in the US, and didn't feel that way. No, um, I don't know what the reasoning is for what, for what, for where the disconnect came from, and hopefully we can like hash it out here. But this is AJ's moment. I feel like this was AJ's time. You like he's been building it up. He has the what the underground title or whatever the, or whatever the fuck they call that. <laughs> People are excited as fuck when AJ comes out. He's synonymous with GCW at this point. Beyond him not beyond him not winning, which I feel like it's like getting to a point where AJ just he has to win the title. He yeah. can do everything for you. He can do the death matches. He can do the tags. He can do. Work with the wrestlers, all that kind of stuff. He can do all that stuff, so I feel like AJ should be the champion. But I also f- just kind of feel like neither of these guys showed, like, really showed up to play. And like, I feel like I feel that way more about AJ than Moxley is at this point. Like, I don't know what it is, but like, when you see Moxley and AJ Gray are facing off with each other, you expect a certain kind of intensity that you just didn't get from this. I don't feel like it felt like two guys kind of going through the motions and. Again, I'm not not sure who I I felt like was, quote-unquote, dogging it a little bit more because I don't want to disparage either of the guys' effort. But this is supposed to be the big match of the weekend for GCW. And I don't feel like either guy came out with the intensity uh, of treating it that way or making it feel that way. And it just kind of feels like a letdown. And eventually it feels like the crowd just isn't really into it as it goes on. It goes 22 minutes, which... I think is is pretty. That's pretty long for an AJ Gray match, and you're already kind of taking taking him out of his depth a little bit. I think that I think that Moxley can go that long, but also depends on the partner he's with, and just not in this setting. I don't think that a, a long Moxley match like that was going to work, and I don't feel like either guy really took control or really grabbed the crowd. I think that they were banking on the fact that this was a big match, champion versus champion, AJ Gray in a GCW title match. And just kind of banking on the crowd investment from that and then didn't really work on maintaining it throughout the match.
0: Yeah. It's interesting to say, like, because it did it did feel like it went long and it went too long, but it felt like Part of that too was the way that they opened it up. They like they opened it up like they were doing an all killer, no filler match and like they skipped right to the intensity instantly and they didn't uh they didn't waste any time with any feeling out or anything like that, which I don't know if that was the best. I don't know if that was the way to do it. I mean, the thing was is that there was some heated back and forth, but there hasn't been much to, like, a feud between the two. There hasn't been a bunch of trash talking. Like, I mean, fuck, the, the setup to this match is one promo from AJ and then, like, a DM that, to t- you know, screen cap that got sent out, like, of, of, of mocks to, to AJ. Like, that was, like... That's the only thing I remember from building this, so it's weird to like be like, oh, you know, this is such a, this is such a fucking fight or whatever, and like we're skipping everything. But then, once they get into it, then they like, they meander with a bunch of crowd brawling, and maybe that was good in the building. But like you said, it feels like they lose the crowd, so I don't think that the crowd really was into it. I don't think that the crowd brawling did much. This should have been the match of the weekend. This should have been the big deal. And I do think that part of that is that we don't get the what we should get, which is like the coronation of of AJ Gray here. And I think it's fucking crazy that they didn't do that. Not, you know, this is not me and you are not the you deserve it. You know, clap clap clap, chanting crowd or nothing like that, right? But AJ Gray should be the champion. <laughs> this is not a because he earned it. This and that and the and other. We, and we and, and
1: we love John Moxley. We just think. Dude, like, AJ Gray is like at some point a guy that like represents the company like that or feels synonymous with the company company like that should be the champion.
0: Right. He just he should be the guy right now. And the fact that because he didn't win this, it really fucking neuters all of that, all of that. Like it really. It's just it's putting over the outside guy. I mean, Mox is a GCW like is an AEW wrestler. He's not a GCW guy, and having him come in and take the guy who m- the most personifies your company as you as we're talking about the guy who really represents GCW and rides for your fucking bullshit and having him just get beat by an AEW superstar, like a real star who's on TV just makes your company look fucking Bush league. And like, okay, I guess GCW is Bush league, whatever, but goddamn, can you not do anything right? Like really? Can this company not book anything properly? It's fucking crazy. Um, we didn't even talk about the opening match with the tag team title bullshit like i don't even know what the fuck is going on there it's like you had the briscoes you put the titles on them you built all this stuff you built up to this big fucking title switch and then you switch the cha- the titles right back to them in like a weird fucking mixed up- and i don't know Treymont got injured or something whatever but like or i don't know why Treymont wasn't here unless it was that he was injured i don't know but yeah I think, think
1: Trey. I think, I think Trayvon was hurt
0: yeah but like that you just kind of like go back to just put the titles back on the Briscoes and it's just like again it's more it's just like fuck man like you guys cannot do anything properly you cannot build anything proper. and I was do you remember that episode where I came on here and I was talking about I know, I know, I GCW know. <laughs> booking and actually doing some stuff and I'm excited and interested and then none of that shit that I was talking about at the time paid off none of that stuff went the way that I was hoping that it would nothing fucking god damn like this company, look, look, look.
1: <laughs> I think we're I think we're good. on talking about yeah. The the problems with GCW booking. I think we can both agree that Moxley and AJ was a bit of a was a, was a bit of a letdown and I'm curious to see where they go next with Moxley in the title because that felt like the end point and then they were just not there. So we'll see where they go from that, but I, I think I'm fine moving on from GCW I think, and like got to got
0: to got to start the uh, John Broxley. Because he's like Brock Lesnar <laughs> of fucking GCW. And this is it. He's Man. just going to keep the championship. And he's going to fucking uh, just defend it on the big shows. He's not going to be on every show. And that's it. He's John Broxley. Just get used Man, to it. Man, that's... <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Um, so the last thing that we have to talk about is Supercard of Honor. Uh, the really last thing show. we have
0: to talk about is Glory Pro, Cement Gates. Mm-hmm. No, Um. yeah, you're right. Supercard of Honor.
1: Super of Honor, really good show, really good show from top to bottom. Honestly, like
0: yeah, um, show of the weekend to me. Um, the, the for sure, and
1: like I love the I love the direction that the like Ring of Honor, like the, the the Tony Khan era Ring of Honor seems to be going. Like it really and like obviously like you have a different pool of wrestlers to access and work with because of also owning AEW. But I was like, oh yeah, I really. Like what this could shape out and turn out to be. So I really enjoy this. Uh, we'll let's do a let's do a couple things before we get to the main match everyone's talking about: Wheeler yuda versus Josh Woods. I'm not a big fan of Josh Woods, you know that, but I thought that he looked pretty solid here, and I think a lot of that goes to Wheeler yuda In my opinion, like and Wheeler just had the Moxley match on Rampage that people are raving about right now, but Wheeler is. 25 and can work as a great underdog babyface and be a great sniveling heel at 25 years old he's great at both and part of me wants to see him treat uh, Ring of Honor as a separate universe so we kind of get that heel IWTV run Wheeler Yuta in Ring of Honor so we can kind keep of work- keep working with that a little bit but I watch him just like over the moon about how good Wheeler Wheeler is. And Joshua is a guy that can be good with the right opponents. We've seen him go out there and have a great match with Gresham, but that's Jonathan Gresham out there. And I think that Wheeler is someone that really raises the floor of the match he's in. And I'm getting, I'm growing more and more confident in Wheeler Uta by the day as someone that I can see being not like a main eventer, maybe, but as someone that's, gonna be super over in like a tnt title capacity upper mid-card capacity viewed as one of the best wrestlers in the world i totally see that future for Wheeler Yuta.
0: i honestly think that in a world where aew exists roh exists owned by tony khan wheeler Yuta can be a main event star um and i think that he probably will be um because yeah i mean this is not only is he re- really being set up for it with this whole angle with him and the Blackpool Combat Club and all this, but like, he's he's delivered on every chance, every step of the way. Not just now, but throughout his entire career, um, when he's been put in a situation, he's excelled. So I just think, barring something fucking crazy, like this guy has got it. And he's going to probably put it all together. He's been given the opportunities, and I think he's going to make something of it. And uh, I honestly, from the jump, I thought that the, RO- or the AEW thing was very weird. Just putting him with the Best Friends group and, and feeling like he was just stuck in there with nothing. But again, you know, Big Tony, Big Big TK delivers when it's like, oh, yeah, this entire time that he's been in the Best Friends, they've never, like, announced Will Your Yuta is all elite. Will Your Yuta is signed to the company, right? And that's the, that's the switch when you can do whatever you can do anything. It's kind of funny because it's, nobody gives him shit, but Tony is like an even worse version of like the, you know, if you're on NXT, it's different than the main roster thing that WWE does. But like Tony will just completely treat you different. And then the second that he does the graphic and you're, you know, you'll be on dark jobbing out, you'll be on fucking elevation jobbing out. You could even be on TV and you're just in a goofy gimmick. But then like the second that you're all elite and you got the graphic, now you're serious and now it's on. And he starts pushing. Right? And it's and that's what happened with Yuta. I for, I didn't even think about it. Like, oh you know, he's just this is crazy. Why did they slot him like this? He's better than this. You know, I was never a huge Wheeler Yuta fan, but I thought he was better than that. And then now, yeah, like now they're ready to push him. Now they're really gonna push him to the moon. He's all elite and and yeah, I'm with you. I think that there's no reason why he can't he can't be the bully on roh and then the young boy on dynamite like i think that's perfect i think that that's honestly a great way to uh to to pull that off and i think that he would be able to do it pretty well because this guy has already shown that he can he can pull off wildly different characters and be completely different back and forth and even you know wrestle under a mask and be part of a weird unit and just basically all he does is high flying and all this and he was really good at that and then you know take off the mask and and be this insane amazing baby face like yeah this guy tons of talent and yeah this was this was a good match i i actually recently turned the page on woods and thought that he was pretty good early on i fucking hated him so i'm not going to say that it was all Yuta. i think woods is actually pretty good but uh, but yeah this was a, a phenomenal match and a great way to get him started um I do want to jump all the way back, because you said, you know, before we get into the main thing. And I do feel like there's probably basically like two worthwhile matches to talk about on the show, really. Um, But I do want to jump all the way back to the pre-show, which I'm sure you didn't watch. But uh, Colt Cabana versus Blake Christian. I'm sure you did not see it. This match (laughs) fucking ruled, dude. What? It was so good. No cult? way. <laughs> Colt is great. Like absence makes the heart grow fonder kind of thing. Like not seeing the Colt stick on every fucking show made me like really appreciate seeing it here the old cult stick and doing the jokes and the goofs and but he had new like he wasn't doing just the old jokes but he was just doing the cult thing he had new bits that I was like oh that's, that was fucking great and then also he's t- he's keeping blake more grounded keeping christian from doing a bunch of stupid shit um, you know he's Colts cult is immensely believable that's the thing about colt and the comedy stuff is like again it could wear a little thin and become funny but like when you look at colt and you watch the way he wrestles like you buy into him he's a he's a big old jock he's an ex-football player kind of guy and like he can hold his own right so then he does some goofy stuff it's kind of funny and yeah i mean th- i'm telling you this match it's le- under 10 minutes it kicked ass it was honestly one of the best fucking matches on the show Colt was again so much fun to see. Colt, he's doing his thing, and he's just—he's just. I like Colt, I really do, and I just think you get burnout seeing him do the fucking same stuff over and over again all the time. But it's been a while, and seeing him, espe- do espe-
1: especially hits, if you—if you're wa- if you're watching the indies, like at a, at a certain point, and just yeah. you, you saw Colt all over the place, would you get sick of him?
0: But yeah, this was this was great because it's been a while since I seen Colt do the Colt thing, especially in ROH. And it was just, it was nice. It was nostalgia, but it wasn't nostalgia because, like I said, he he didn't just do the hits. He didn't play the hits. He was doing new stuff, and he and he again he he toned Christian down so that Christian only did stuff that looked good because you know how Blake Christian and, and, loves uh, to do a ton of shit that's just stupid.
1: Yeah, and um, I remember I mentioned it like a few podcasts ago. I feel like Blake Christians. Gotten better. Like I feel like like yeah. like I don't think I still don't think he's like great or anything. He's not like a guy I'm gonna go rushing out to see. But I do. I did remember saying like I think he's gotten a little bit better.
0: Yeah, he's definitely gotten better. And he was wrestling a vet who kept him in line. And again, the colt stick is just endearing. It's just it don't matter what you hear. And I, you know I've heard plenty of stories and the Punk and all the the drama and all oh, Colts really actually he's a dick and blah 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 he is all about the money which it's like fuck off he's not your friend he's a businessman but any of any of all that doesn't matter because when he gets in the ring and he's doing cult stuff and it isn't like the the 10th cult cabana match that you have to suffer through this fucking month um you're just like yeah i like this guy you know so yeah great match i highly recommend people check this out because it's easy to skip but uh it was really good like i said under 10 minutes not a big waste of time anyways um Um, What do you
1: want to do next? Feel free. Just quick hits. Uh, Willow versus Mercedes Martinez. Oh my Um, fucking
0: God, yeah.
1: Willow, don't look now, but Willow's like really getting over in ROH. It is super surprising to the point where when when Mercedes won, I was like, oh, really? And like, granted, that was probably the right choice because Mercedes Martinez is a better wrestler than Willow Nightingale, but it's also like, oh, wow, like, I get, you kind of get so, like, invested in Willow in ROH that you're kind of shocked when she doesn't win. Like, I, Willow, Willow has something. Willow has something. And I'm not sure how much that will, that will translate, if it would translate to AEW or whatever else. But Willow has something. And, like, after all the time we've, like, seen, like, Willow Nightingale, Willow Nightingale like, it's cool to see, like, oh, like, she... She she has something. She definitely has something now.
0: Yeah, and it's not just... It's not just the crowd getting behind her. It is definitely the wrestling as well. Um, She's gotten better in the ring. She's... I... I've said before in the past that like she came across kind of like she was playing. She was definitely one of these, and I, you know, I didn't say this word before, but I'll say it now because I hate saying it, but playing wrestler. Uh, she was playing tough guy. She was trying to be something that she wasn't, and now she's really starting to develop it where she is believable. She can pull off the bruiser kind of thing, um, and that's honestly the best role for her because she's not mechanically inclined super well to try to do a bunch of technical wrestling or anything like that. Um but she hits a couple like kind of neat high spot agility based things here and there like doing a cartwheel or whatever but mostly being a big bruiser and hitting a couple power spots and now that she can actually really pull that stuff off because for a while there it was it was struggling and it was a little bit uh a little bit looking a little little shaky when she was trying to do some power stuff but now she's got it um she's got her her gas tank up because I don't even know where I heard this but I know I heard from somebody that she had a little bit of an issue with cardio stuff Um, And she's kind of seems to have gotten that taken care of where her gas tank is good. Um, Yeah, I mean, she looked great. And like you said, she seemed to be over here. And I heard a report from a Rampage taping that just happened um, that has obviously some much bigger matches that people are talking about. But one match that happened on it was a Red Velvet against Willow, and I heard someone say, like, oh, you know, it's Boston area, and Beyond wrestles there, and she's a big star in Beyond, or whatever, but, uh, when she lost to Red Velvet in AEW in Boston, I, the report was the crowd was fucking pissed, so, yeah, she's, uh, she's definitely very over, and the crowds are getting into her, so, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, man, there's, there's something here, and, uh, Tony would be smart to, to see that, and I don't know, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to bring her into AEW instantly, but uh, he could definitely do something with her here, right here in ROH. Uh,
1: Jay Lethal, Lee Boriarty really good. Like when you see it on yeah, paper, yeah. like it might, not, it might not make the most exciting. I thought it was solid. I thought the big, obviously, the big takeaway there was Jay Lethal turning mid match, and then how that came back around in the main event when Jonathan Gresham beat Bandito to become the uh, I guess undisputed our ROH champion. Uh, Gresham versus Bandito was good. Enjoy, enjoyed that. Um, I'm not sure these guys; those guys are just ever gonna have like a great match. Like Gresham is so adaptable, ad, um, adaptable and malleable to the situation and the opponent that he has that he can definitely switch it up and do a little bit more of the fireworks and da, and dazzling stuff to keep the crowd engaged and work with whatever the opponent's skill set is. So I thought it was good. Um, wasn't like anything super special or anything, but they seem to be revisiting the Gresham and Lethal uh rivalry and that i am super into though
0: yeah i did i did find it funny there was uh definitely um you know maybe it's more of a point on the main event with the post-match angle there but uh like them saying like oh we've never seen this side of jade lethal before or whatever trying to like talk about the heel turn here and, and what's going on but it's like not only was he a heel like forever in the house of truth in ROH so it's like kind of crazy to be like oh he's, he's never we never seen this side of Jay Lethal but also um when the J- Grisham and Jay Lethal stuff started it started out as a feud where Jay Lethal was a was a heel <laughs> and like they never there mm-hmm. never was, it was like a big turn it was just like over time there was like respect and then Jay Lethal just like subtly transition to being a baby face because of being aligned with Grisham so it was very funny for Grisham and and the commentators and stuff to be like we've never seen Jay lethal acting like this and you know we don't you can't trust him because of the way he's acting it's like no this is just lethal kind of going back to the same old lethal but the match itself was pretty good and and the storyline is interesting and, and, and a good way to uh, a good way to develop that
1: um so unless you want to mention anything else I think it's time to Tackle the big one, and I guess will be our last topic before we, uh, wrap up for the night. So, uh, take it away, Tim. FTR versus the Briscoe Brothers in, uh, the best tag team match of all time or something. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Oh, jeez. What a setup. What a setup. Uh, almost, almost like you did it on purpose. Um, yeah, this was, uh, really, really fucking impressive. Um... I've the weird thing to me about this is the takeaway that like FTR is the greatest tag team in the world. That seems to be the takeaway from this that everyone had. Um, when I'm like, didn't I just haven't I just recently on the podcast been talking about how I think the Briscoe brothers are actually just the best at this style of tag team match. That like you know like I said like the, the. what people think of as the the Young Bucks tag team matches actually should be the Briscoe Brothers tag team match, that the Briscoe Brothers are actually, like, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. People don't realize it. Like, I'm not saying that FTR isn't good, and we both have agreed on that for a long time, but, like, for people to be like, oh, well, they had this, they had the match of the year or whatever with the Briscoes must mean that FTR is actually great. From And hearing that from motherfuckers who were, have been shitting on FTR for however long is... Insane, <laughs> one match with the Briscoe brothers, and now they're great somehow. Like, how does that make any sense? Um, but again, that said, FTR was completely game here. Obviously, um, they're nat- somehow naturally baby faces, even though the entire time I've thought of them as uh, you know being really good at being heels. They're they're phenomenal here. The crowd is fucking rabid the whole way through. Um, I just. One of the hard parts about this was I kept expecting it to switch, but it just stayed like a babyface babyface match the entire time, um, and that was a little bit tough for me, especially on the first watch. I actually watched it live, and uh, and I was just kept waiting for the turn right. I kept waiting for the FTR to go go dirty, the um, the slingshot into the legs of the table, and then you know Briscoe or Jay Briscoe. Comes up all bloody. I thought that that was gonna be setting up the the turn, but it wasn't. It really stayed pretty, pretty solidly like a babyface babyface match from there. Um, kind of took it out, but then on second watch, you know, not ex- not sitting there expecting that. Yeah, like it was a really great, just a a fight. And I talked about it with like the the Moxley. An AJ match that they, like, skipped the feeling out process and went straight into it like it's a bloody brawl, but there was no build and it didn't make any sense. This match had plenty of build. I mean, this guy's... Even if you haven't had a bunch of, you know, promos on TV, we've had social media sniping
1: it. It was the the tension. and It it was the tension. The angle of final battle was super hot. It's, like, one of those matches people have been clamoring for for FTR ever since they left WWE. And, like, they played it perfectly. Like, I'm going to go on a whole FTR thing in a second, but... Like they clearly very much understood how to milk the audience, in the um in the investment that they had in this match.
0: But yeah, like I like I was saying with the Mox AJ thing, it was like you guys just like didn't give me anything and acted like there was a build that made sense for this to be a heated fight from the get go, and they could have done the same thing. They could have done that here because there actually was a build that made sense for it, and they didn't. They did a feeling out process. They did, and that th- the, the part about that that's like you're overlooking is like that just shows that respect that shows like, okay, I don't know you. I don't know what you're capable of. I don't know what to expect. Um, and so I'm not going to just like fucking risk it by just running into you, which is like the smart, you know, and it plays into the FDR game plan that they're, they're not going to do that. They're not going to just like throw caution to the wind. No, they're going to come up with a game plan. Even if they're pissed off, even if they don't like these guys, even if they have something to prove, they're gonna go in there with a game plan, and they're gonna feel them out. They're gonna test the waters and see what they can do, see what these Briscoe brothers are really all about, before they just go crazy. But no, then the then the tension builds, and the and the aggression builds, and and the when you really see it flip is Dax is is trying playing like a cat and mouse, trying to get into the fucking ring, and Jay just keeps knocking him off the apron. And then eventually he throws a chair into the ring just because of how pissed off he is. And yeah, that again, like you talk about milking it and building it and really doing. Like you show him, he's getting to that limit. He's trying to be, as I said, he's trying to be smart. He's trying to do to stick to the game plan. Don't don't fucking get hot headed. But he can't control it. He can't help himself because not only is he pissed off, but Jay's milking him. Jay is trying to pull him into their world. And the FDR is smart enough to you know, take a breather. They don't do it. They don't get in there. He doesn't fall for it. Because yeah, the second that they the second that they let this devolve into a Briscoe Brothers style fight, as I said, tornado, wild tag, spots, all that, they're gonna get fucking swamped. And the Briscoe Brothers are just gonna come at him from all different sides and they're gonna be done for it. And they know that they can't keep up with the Briscoes in that kind of fight, because they the Briscoes are the best best in the world of that kind of match. So Yeah, keep it keep it their style. And then as things develop, it just gets wilder and bloodier. FTR takes, like, whatever, whatever like, different shortcuts that they want to take. Um, and, yeah, it's just phenomenal. One thing I wanted to talk about is... And I know you said you wanted to get into an FTR thing. So, you know what? I'll save it for the FTR discussion. Feel free to talk about this match. And I guess... Do we even want to talk about the main event that like or the the title match that much, or do we want to like just get into this FTR combo and and maybe just go off and even talk about the Young Bucks match uh, on on Dynamite?
1: Uh, yeah, we can definitely do that. Like I said, I touched, I, t- I gave my thoughts on Gresham Bandito, so I'm, I'm cool. On, I'm cool on that. Um, I feel like this was the dream match version of FTR versus Briscoes, and not like the feud version. And. Like I probably would prefer the feud version of this match, with say like wh- whatever one of them playing heel and babyface. Because we've seen the, we've seen the Briscoes as heels and we know they can do that. We've seen FTR as heels. We know we can, we know they can do that. We've seen the Briscoes as babyfaces, and now we're seeing this FTR babyface run in AEW. So I probably would prefer the Southern Tag face heel clear dynamic version of this match in the context of a feud. That would probably be more my lane. but this dream but but this dream oh go ahead ahead.
0: no i was just gonna say you know like the thing that people talk about where they say like oh southern wrestlers are lazy or whatever and they do that you know southern tag as you said like that's the like mixing the sawdust into it but this match didn't need anything added to it like you said it didn't need Mm -hmm. any extra drama and any extra story time because the crowd was there they're bought into it so you just give them the action and you don't have to exactly so like
1: so i can't really complain about that because the Match the la, the match layout and approach that they went with for this mat for this uh for this for this one worked perfectly. The crowd was into it, and they had to be super intense. Their facial their facial expressions, their body language, the matchups they the matchups they choose at certain times, whether it's Dax and Jay or Cash and Mark going out there, and all these different interactions and the intensity that we get, like Jay randomly doing like a fucking standing Rana that looks incredible that looked incredible in. Usually the like the flying stuff is reserved for Mark, but Jay pulling something like that like that like that out randomly was so fucking cool and like really captured what the situation was for this particular match and it stays at that level the whole time it stays at ten the whole time it builds and builds and builds and the crowd is there with them the entire time and it just this felt like the first special Mania weekend match in years like not even just like. Like, even pre-pandemic, I can't think of anything that felt this special in a long time. That's, like, that's how this felt to me. So, I loved it for this reason. Uh, Again, this is the Dream Match version of it, and I'm sure that there's a version of this match that I would like even more. And hope that they have more encounters and more matches, and, like, hopefully we can get that. But for this time and place, for this setting, for this crowd, for everything that they had built up, this was... So properly laid out, so well structured. Everyone worked their asses off. The blood, Dax selling his hand the whole time over over his punches, and they knew how to add in the little details while also nailing the big macro points that everyone was gonna like cling to and care about in order to take that match to this five star, six star level and make it this like big, critically acclaimed thing. They like they nailed all they nailed all of that stuff and. I love it. Like I'm gonna watch it again, and I might like it more on the rewatch because now I know what to expect. And I'm not really expecting this big, uh, Southern, like homage to Southern Tag Wrestling kind of thing. So now that I'm kind of more prepared for what to expect, I might even like the match more when I go back and when I go back and rewatch it. But I I loved it, and I think that they um, they double back and actually do what I wanted them to do in the Briscoes match versus the Bucks on Wednesday, and the Bucks match on Wednesday was exactly like that same kind of southern tag cut off milk the crowd stuff that i was expecting from ftr briscoes and the bucks have proven that they could do this numerous times i remember i I remember giving parv an aneurysm when we were doing the old school versus new school when i talked about young bucks versus men of low moral fiber being being pretty much a southern tag and that was like 2009 Whatever from the Bucks, so they clearly have this. That
0: was well, before uh, people would pretend like, oh, actually the Bucks have psychology. That was back when, like, yeah. you know, people were just like, ah, oh, all they do is high spots, right?
1: So, like, they, like, I, I'm, I was talking about the Bucks, the Bucks doing a Southern Tag <laughs> back in two thousand nine. So they clearly have an understanding of that style and know how to approach it and use it and use it to their advantage and make it work for who they are, and that worked perfectly. And FTR, these career heels as a tag team go out there and they're like the ultimate fucking baby faces. cash Wheeler is a fucking revelation as this fip baby face, as this face in peril babyface that Dax Harwood, you would you dude his stuff for being a for being a hot tag rocks his stuff his like transitioning his stuff to to being in a hot to being the hot tag formula just going out there Throwing vertical suplexes and suplexing them onto each other, he threw a, he threw a fucking small package into a hot tag, like the dude, <laughs> like like the dude just like understands and gets wrestling. So I love that, and I might actually prefer it over the Briscoes match, honestly. But they're so so fucking like close and neck and neck, and I had nothing but great things to say about both of these matches, and I'm glad that they happened. in the FTR is on the tra- trajectory that they're heading towards.
0: You know now.
1: Oh, go ahead.
0: Well, I was gonna say, you know what's an issue that I think with FTR because we're getting into the Young Bucks match at least. I want to I want to give a couple thoughts here. Is that FTR has been like kind of, kind of middling around and just doing whatever in AEW, and that. I mean they won the AAA tag team titles, and and to hear it told, that's a big deal to them. Like it wasn't just like, you know, whatever. They actually care about being the AAA tag team champions, which is weird, but you know, whatever. That's you know good for them. But one thing that I think has really hurt them is that. For everything that they are, and I'm a big fan of them, when I went to the One NXT show I ever went to, I bought an FTR shirt, and now now that they're good again, I'm happy that I can wear it again. Um, Either way, you know, it was the revival, but whatever, same difference, It's kind of, oh, it's cooler, because I have the old shirt, you know, whatever. Um, But uh, one thing about them in AEW is that, realistically, FTR's position in the company is to stand as an opposite to the Young Bucks. So... I think it really hurt their their like position and, and, and what they could be in the Young Bucks if or in AEW when the Young Bucks turn heel and the team that really should be seen as like the opposition to the Young Bucks and the anti Young Bucks are are also heels. Like realistically, it would have been um, behooved them would have been much better for them to have turned babyface. Around the same time because them being like the anti Young Bucks is the only, is really like the definition of their existence in this company. As stupid and weird as that is, it we, kinda
1: is. We definitely need to talk about that because that kinda goes into this kinda like and we've Tim, how long have I been call I mean how how long have I been calling this?
0: Oh, I mean forever. Right.
1: That and when when, when did FTR come in? At the most fucked up point possible <laughs> for a group to, for a, for, a, for anyone to debut in a wrestling company they came in at the most fucked point possible Tim if I was to ask you um, what would you define FTR's big NXT matches what would be like the defining trait that went along with their big matches uh,
0: crowd interaction uh, crowd pops heat basically
1: Right, that, 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 those would be mine as well. Yeah. And when they came into AEW, those things just couldn't exist. Yeah. That just wasn't available to them. Those things couldn't exist. They debuted in a crowd full of just their wrestler peers, in fucking the and the fucking Gun Brothers dressed as clowns or whatever the fuck. Like that's what that's what they had to come in and do and do their big debut as. So. All the stuff that made them a great act, it they, they, they wasn't readily available to them when they came to AEW because it just those, those were the circumstances of the world at that time. I praised the Bucks FTR match that happened in the middle of the pandemic. And I remember arguing distinctly in Slack that, hey, I can understand some of the gripes here. It goes long quote-unquote self-conscious epic, all that shit. I understand it, but the reality is these guys are out here, and they have to work pretty much with no audience when their whole thing is being able to engage an audience and engage a crowd, and that's not their fault. That's not their fault that their style is meant to to be engaging a crowd. I had the same things with Okada. I said the same things about Okada and other New Japan guys. That, hey, it's great that the Thatchers... In the Zacks, in the in the Minoru Suzuki's, and the Shingos can go out there, and that this stuff doesn't really bother them as much. But there's certain guys where they've mastered the art of entertaining and twisting and twisting their audience. FTR mastered that, and they didn't really get to do that. They have their they had their tag title run. I like I, I even like the Kenny and Hangman match, all that stuff. Like I like it. It's great, it's great to me, but I can see why people didn't, like you know, weren't over the moon about it. And I feel like that circumstance is beyond FTR's control. You made a great point. Then, kind of shortly after the Young Bucks turn heel, and FTR gets put in the pinnacle, and they're put in, the, and there were, and there were MJF, and like you said, the biggest appeal of FTR at a certain point is that they are the anti-Young Bucks they are the complete antithesis of everything the Young Bucks are so once again something that is no fault of FTR they're getting put on the back burner as a tag team it feels like because they also occupy the same heel space that the Young Bucks are eventually occupying when they join Kenny Omega that's not FTR's fault that's bad booking that's thinking that that's not really un, that's not really getting the most out of your talent and now FTR are just reduced to being MJF's cronies in, in the pinnacle and occasional stuff here and there they would have they would have solid tags uh Dax would pop up with a good singles match here and there but still they're pretty much put on the back burner I feel like people also just kind of started piling on them like oh look we get it you guys are old school and all that kind of stuff Okay, cool, man. I get it. Like, if you want to sit there and like be <laughs> weird about that, then that's then, that, then, that, then that's fine. But you know, it'll just be like a weird piling on. Like, oh, they're not going to have having good matches with the Lucha Brothers. I mean, I mean, shit, man. Like, if you guys want to sit there and pretend that the Lucha Brothers have all this great array of amazing tag team matches, then like, by all means, go ahead and keep pretending. Keep pretending.
0: Hey, Quentin. They were in the match of the year last year.
1: Even beyond that, <laughs> was Tim. Do you remember me saying, all that podcast, hey, that was a pretty good match, but I feel like if FTR was in this spot, right. I feel like I probably would like the match more, because it seems like that's just more conducive to what FTR is good at. No, and why is it winds up being the Young Bucks, the match, succeed, the match succeeds, great reaction, wins match of the year, whatever the fuck, I'm the outlier here, we're the outlier here, we can move on from that. But... What about the fact that like, maybe just two teams aren't allowed to have great chemistry? Can that just not exist? Can two teams just be a little bit too opposite to work with each other and that just wasn't going to work? No, it has to turn into this whole thing about the FTR is actually bad. FTR actually sucks. FTR is boring. FTR is this. FTR is that. Go away heat and a whole bunch of other asinine bullshit. These guys never had a fair chance in this company. Never. From the time that they joined AEW, what fucking chance did they have? They didn't have one. They joined a the company in the middle of the pandemic, where their biggest asset was how great they were at manipulating audiences. And then after that, the young bucks are occupying their heel tag team role. What exactly are they supposed to do? Like, there was there was no there was no lane for them. Here's
0: what they're supposed to do: fuck off to Mexico and win the Triple H tag team titles, right? Like, I mean, apparently, yeah, that was what they did. And, and the reports are that they've done a good job. I, I couldn't tell you because I haven't watched any of it. But you know what I mean? Like, that was what they're supposed to do, and they did it. Like, yeah. But, uh, but I'm sorry for interjecting. Continue.
1: You're, you're good. These are people, like, I think straight up, these are guys that people... Wanted to dislike because of how public they were about the whole thing with WWE and them wanting to leave and like that whole song and dance there. And people would go, like, oh, well, it's put up or shut up, and these guys aren't as good as they say they were, and products of the NXT system, blah, blah, like a whole bunch of shit. And I don't know how you could watch wrestling and get paid to review and write about wrestling and talk about wrestling and not see. That two guys working Southern Tag style formulas and making it work with fucking Enzo and Cass, and I don't care how many times they might have ran it on a house show, on the Largo Loop, whatever the fuck. They had the they had a legitimate damn near four-star match with Enzo and Cass. <laughs> I'm sorry. Those guys know how to wrestle. Those guys understand wrestling better than most people ever understand wrestling. And I'm not sitting there trying to call, put them in the best tag team ever conversation, because frankly, their main roster run left a lot to be desired, a lot of bad booking there, and it's just been and it's just been a little too inconsistent to even put them at put them there. But if we're looking at peak stuff in the last few years, I can understand why why these guys would be like, look, we know how good we are. We just don't really ever get the chance to really do that. Like, I understand that at some point people start to look at these guys like complainers. But I think the reality is, that the what what chance did they have? They just did, they didn't have one. It was fucked up. Things were fucked up when it came to AEW. They didn't really have a chance to do anything. So now here we go. We come back around, and they have these two great matches in the span of a week. Briscoe's match, going to have a whole bunch of number one votes on the Voices of Wrestling Match of the Year list, the Bucks match, and all this kind of stuff. And suddenly, after suddenly everyone loves FTR, and FTR is suddenly really stepping it up. Are they? I think Dax has been just as talented the whole time. I think Cash has been just as talented the whole time. I think they execute for the very well for the most part. Whenever they're out there, they haven't been in big spots, getting main events, getting marquee shots. But when you if you watch them, if you watch Dax in the singles matches, if you watch them when they go out there, they're still very good. They still are. Matter of fact, I'll be honest. I don't even hate the Lucha Bros matches. I don't even think they're that bad. I think they're fine. Like, great, great, granted, they're not great, but I think they're fine matches. But now we're going to do this whole song and dance about FTR suddenly really good. FTR suddenly so great. Everyone's going to love FTR now. They're back in the best tag team in the world conversation. Everyone loves them, and we're going to do all this shit and just pretend that these guys haven't had to deal with like, I would argue the most fucked up circumstances of any act in AEW or in wrestling period for the last two years. I don't think anyone had worse circumstances. I, I think you can even extend that to Japan and people like Oka- people saying Okada's falling off and this and that. And you can like you can believe the injury stuff if you believe the in- injury stuff. My thing has always been I feel like the crowd has always is the thing that's missing from Okada matches now. And Okada still has some ones that I really like. But I don't think that anyone has been more fucked by their circumstances than FTR, and for some reason, people never talk about it, never want to admit that, attribute that to being FTR's fault, and now we're gonna do, and now we're gonna come back around, and people love FTR again, and now they're suddenly so good. It's annoying as fuck. I wish people would would have given would have give these guys a break and add in the context of what they had to deal with during their AEW run. But no, that's not gonna happen. Because we gotta get takes off, and we gotta be the first to praise something, and not actually give context to when things go wrong. When things go wrong, it's oh FTR bald and FTR hair, and like uh, uh, this all this like dismissive, obnoxious bullshit. And now we're like, oh yeah, FTR, best tag team in the world. Shit is annoying as hell. And I've been calling this, and I've been calling this for nearly like two years <laughs> that everyone's gonna do this, and now here we are.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I like uh, FTR Cut versus FTR Gut. I feel like that's a better distinction um, <laughs> between the two if you're even going to do it. It's also, not only is it better because it rhymes, it's also better because it's more dismissive um, and mean if you're trying to be a jerk about it. Like, come on, people, be 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 better. I have to, I have to give credit that I stole that from the Everything Elite guys, but whatever. Um, either way... I agree with everything you said there. I think that some of the most fucked up and weird, like you just don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. It stuff is the people who get so worked up about the gimmick. You talked about it in there somewhat. The like, we get it. You're old school. And then like, I saw someone recently, they had the take where it was like, actually FTR, it turns out I thought FTR was bad, but actually they're great workers because you know, they convince all the old school wrestling nerds that they're old school, even though they're not. And then they convince all of everyone else that they're actually good wrestlers. And it's like, Okay, I'm sorry, but old-school wrestling and the FTR thing is a fucking gimmick. It's a gimmick. They are gimmicks. They know that they're gimmicks. They're not actually old-school territory wrestlers. They are working a gimmick, which is we are guys who are obsessed with old-school territory wrestling. Keep in mind that these, these motherfuckers have roots in anarchy. Anarchy, right? NWA Anarchy. A company that has a manager, a long-time manager, whose gimmick is that he's like the devil. He's a Satan man and he's got two big giant behemoths that call themselves like Tank and uh and what the I can't even think of the other fuckers name Ice Train or Iceberg and they're just Iceberg yeah Tank and Iceberg and they're and they're brought to the ring by an old devil man who sells insurance during the week but on the weekends he's a devil like this shit is goofy and they know it they come from goofiness the other one His background is in CWF Mid-Atlantic, a company that would book Chikara wrestlers regularly. In fact, Andrew Everett, one of the biggest stars in CWF Mid-Atlantic, was the Chiva Kid. You know what I mean? Like, they come from a background of understanding. Southern wrestling, we talked about it earlier. I talked about Southern wrestling. Southern wrestling is goofy. Southern wrestling gets it. They understand that this shit is a fucking work. Serious old-school wrestler is just as much a gimmick as Orange Cassidy. They understand that they are a fucking gimmick. They're not actually serious about this shit, and the people who get worked up on that part of it are just some of the dumbest baby brain motherfuckers. Who, as I talked no, about earlier, here's the thing.
1: Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even if they are, it's still a fucking gimmick. Even if they are, but here, but like ultimately, I don't know how you can still sit there and like believe this, like to the to the to the degree in which it bothers you, when when FTR comes in. And they in the um and they had that big match versus the Bucks. Tim, what's a big spot in that match? Like pretty much that they keep that they reference now to this day about oh, FTR like you know got too cute and it's, and, and abandoned their game plan. What did Cash Wheeler do? He did a fucking springboard four fifty. Yeah. Yeah. So what are we talking about? Right. It, they they they're they're filling uh they're filling a void they're filling an archetype they're filling a type of a type of wrestler a type of act that doesn't exist and that people like like you guys that like your fucking flips and shit are gonna find a uh, find obnoxious right because ooh ooh I watched the Midnight Express match in nineteen from nineteen eighty four that's the fucking point man <laughs> yeah. Clearly you're, clearly, you're still getting kind of worked by this shit when a guy can do a springboard 450 and nearly two years later, you're still talking about some, oh, yeah, these guys are go away heat with me. We get it. You like old school wrestling. Right. It's, you fucking kidding me? Yeah, do
0: you not get that it's, it's just as much a gimmick as everything else? These motherfuckers can do all of this stuff. And then they even show it here when they finish out the match and they mock the Young Bucks kiss spot. Right? If these guys were serious, were, were, if they actually were Jim Cornette and were not actually a gimmick where the whole fucking point is that you're making fun of Jim Cornette, they wouldn't do the Young Bucks bullshit, you know, loop-de-loo spot, fucking legitimately do it. And they do! They do the Young Bucks, all the Young Bucks bullshit. They do the 450, they do all, because that's the point. They're heels. They're heels, and they're supposed to make you mad, and then they make you even more mad when when they show that they're hypocrites and they do the things that they talk shit about. Oh, my fucking God. Can you not believe that you're getting worked by a fucking goofy heel over-the-top gimmick act that's why it's so ridiculous how old school and how into the midnight express they are they're they're wearing this shit on their sleeve because they're trying to hit you over the head with it because you're too dumb to get it if they were subtle so they have to be over the top with how ridiculous they are about it because it's a fucking goofy gimmick like it's so weird (laughs) can you imagine someone who who acted like this in any other job Could you imagine someone who shows up to their job and, like, let's say that they worked in a factory where they made cars and they were just like, actually, we don't believe in using robots. We don't believe in using time metrics. We don't do any of that. We're old school. Mother, come on now. This is a fucking gimmick. Nobody acts like this. This is not the real world. Like, Jesus Christ. So that shit drives me absolutely insane because it's such a, like, disingenuous, you know, take on the whole thing and then when they switch babyface instantly oh my god these guys are amazing oh my god they're the, the greatest thing in the world can you believe how good they are you know it's like yeah because they're great workers and that's why they're so
1: good as heels they understand wrestling yeah. they understand wrestling fundamentally better than most people in the world understand wrestling and it's not just in a like, a, like obsessive cosplay way of I want to be the Midnight Express it's they understand what made the Midnight Express work right they understand what made the things work they understand the timing they understand all that stuff it's not just doing old school spots it's not just the fact that they do a spike pile driver it's like they understand match layout and structure and how these things work they have a great nuanced understanding of that simon pointed this out in the chat like this is like fucking like almost reminiscent of the midnight express babyface run Right. That no one talks about. Like a really like the really brief babyface run that they have and how they still understood how to not like completely abandon who they were the whole time, but also adapt it just enough where they're still you know, but where they're still where they're able to like use that formula, use that act as they ba- as baby faces, but they still feel like the Midnight Express. FTR still feels like FTR. They come out and they're blowing their noses with the young bucks' streamers and shit like that. But if they were heels, they would know that they, they know it would it would get booed. Right. But it all, it's, it's, all, it's also a, it's all a matter of like understanding the audience, the situation and everything like that. The FTR is coming off. FTR is coming off this momentum. Everyone saw the Briscoes match. People are into them. Now they can come out, blow their nose with the Young Bucks streamers because the Young Bucks are heels and they can do the exact same shit they would have done back in 2020. And it works now. And, and it still works. They yeah. still feel like they're authentically FTR. FTR has been mocking whoever they wrestled for the longest time. Going back to DIY, American Alpha, whatever. They've been mocking people. When they do it now to the Young Bucks, what? It's babyface because of who they're doing it to. They don't need to reinvent the wheel, completely change who they are in order to make these things work. Because they understand wrestling. <laughs> yes. They completely understand wrestling. And I'm sorry that it took you guys two matches... To finally realize that they understand wrestling. That these guys (laughs) who gave Enzo and Cass the best match that they will ever sniff in their fucking lives, the best matches that Chad Gable will ever snitch, ever sniff in his fucking life. Hey,
0: he's pretty good. He's pretty
1: good. I love Chad Gable, but like the best matches that those, like clearly. They're the common denominator here. You know when I talk about Sasha Banks and talk about, like, everyone's best matchup with Sasha Banks? Oh, God, the same man. thing applies to FTR. And obviously, the main roster run didn't work out the way that we hoped, We, we, we would have hoped. But, like, my God, dude, what the fuck did you expect? Right. Those guys went to the main roster and Vince McMahon saw them and, like, what the... Come on, man. Well, you talked about we're gonna hold, wrestling. We're, and
0: the, you
1: don't
0: get gonna to hold, wrestle we, on the main roster.
1: Are we, are we are we gonna hold that against them? They went to the main roster, and that they weren't able to do that anymore. Yeah. Really? Come on, man. Be fucking real. You guys are getting worked, and like even even more worked. That it took two matches for you guys to start fucking fawning over these guys again. Give me a break. Yeah,
0: and you know I was. I, was, I wouldn't say it was on the bandwagon of fucking FTR hate, but I was questioning, like, God damn, what happened? Because I was such a big fan of them, and, like, you know, whatever. But, yeah, they were just spinning their wheels. They weren't getting to do what they do best, and then it's nice to see them back and be like, all right, fuck yeah, they rock. Um, it's crazy, because people will turn around and now take the, like, you know, best, re- best tag team in the world shit seriously, and it's like... Okay, let's calm the fuck down. When they do it for ten years, like the Briscoes or whatever, then we can start talking about it. When or, it you know. or the or the Bucks. Yeah, or the Bucks, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. When we have like the resume, but you know, they are good. They've had a lot of good matches and they can continue to do that, but they've never had a chance to really show the longevity and it sucks because they are not, you know, spring chickens, and they spent a ton of time in NXT, basically wasting time there. Even if they got to should have they good spent, matches,
1: should they even should they even like waste wasted their two years in AW so far, pretty much
0: right. So yeah, it's just it's tough because it's like yeah you're never gonna be able to build that resume unless they you know hey who knows we are talking about southern wrestling right Southern wrestling unless they keep going like Jerry lawler in their wrestling or the midnight express or not the Midnight the rock and rolls which uh, I saw some yeah sort of teasing of a rock and rolls match uh, I can't remember who it was but somebody um, and I was like god damn that would be good but either way like you know you know if they unless they go into their 70s like uh, like the rock and rolls like then maybe they can start building that uh building that um resume but right now it's not looking great um but but it is looking great because they're having good matches it's just time-wise can you really do you have another 10 years in you of this level of output hopefully um anyway moving on obviously they win that's right that's a good thing to do did you did you see anything else from uh aw last night
1: um i saw christian cole and i saw the mjf War- mjf wardlow angle okay. with the sean spears with the sean spears losing to sean dean um wardlow is really fucking yeah. over yeah it's we should like people should really start paying attention to that
0: yeah he should probably cause... he should probably win the title
1: like these pops are getting kind of ridiculous. Like I feel like like there's there's a, there's a bunch going on in AEW. So it's, to like it's still there. I'm not gonna be like, I'm not, I'm not gonna act like people aren't talking about it. But I think that might be a little bit more notable that people are are saying because that sounds like to me. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. That was like some big like Goldberg shit. I'm not even gonna lie to you. That was, like, was kind of Goldberg shit. <laughs> yep.
0: I was, a couple weeks back, I said, okay, I could see, MJ, transfer MJF and Wardlow into the TNT title, you know, and do that. No, I'm, I'm beyond that now. Like, they need to get, they need to, not going to say brush, but they should probably get the title on Wardlow. You could do MJF as the transition, or I think you could even just do direct and have Wardlow win the title, but I think that Wardlow should probably be winning the title, and relatively soon.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure from there yet because I still. There's still certain things I want to see from Wardlow. And it's not to say that everyone has to be able to go out there and do like work rate shit. Like Wardlow is really good at what he does. So like, it's not that there's still just certain things I want to see from him. But it's getting to that point, man, where these pops are monstrous. These are insane pops that like even like the like. Punk might not be getting now on a regular basis because now we're kind of used to Punk. Right. Like, like Moxley might not be getting it. Brian might not be getting it. Even Hangman, like, like Cole still gets those kind of pops, and like Kenny will get that kind of pop when he comes back. But, but like that's the kind of status we're talking about. We're talking about what, what we're talking about world low here, and that's kind of crazy. Yeah. No.
0: It, it's it's nuts. Um. One thing I wanted to talk about was the table match but you didn't watch it but just the rules i thought it was very funny um because a lot of people were complaining that the rules were confusing so it was a tag team tables match i'll set the set the stage for you here uh the hardy brothers versus the butcher and the blade tag team table match and they said basically both guys have to go through a table of the team for them to lose and it has to be an offensive move for them to go through the table right and so on face value, I get it, but I do think that basically you're, like, adding too many rules that you can work around by just um, booking. You know, it's a, it's a it's a wrestling match, so you can just, like, do what you want. Um, so instead of making it a rule, you can just say, don't do any of this stuff, right? And then that way we can uh, not have to deal with it. But then, like, by setting that rule, what you do is you take away the, like, the, the reason why honestly table matches even exist which is that you can have a pretty like excuse you can use it as an easy excuse to beat somebody without actually having them lose because you just say like oh you know i went through a table but i wasn't pinned i didn't submit you know but if you say like oh they have to be put through the table then you like kind of get rid of that like it has to be an offensive maneuver then you like get rid of that like out which i understand is cheap but all you have to do is to, like, not make it cheap is to just not exploit it and not use it. But there's no reason to, like, codify it with a rule. Um, so that was one side of it. The other side of it was people were getting very confused because, you know, when you're eliminated, you don't have to leave. So you're still in the match. So I was, like, I was thinking about it and I was, like, you know how they do the Captain's Falls matches? They do it in, like, Mexico and Japan um, where yeah. people get can get pinned and all that, but it doesn't affect them and they're still in the match. So I was, like, if we had, right. like, a culture of that kind of match, maybe people would understand it more. Um, but because we don't, like, people don't get it. So when someone gets eliminated, usually you in America, you expect them to be out of the match, but they just stay there. So I thought that confused people. So I was like, you know, what you could do is you could not say the weird thing about, like, whatever and, uh, and like, the offensive move and all that, and you could not do that. Um, and then that would help not confuse people. Or you could go the other way and be completely convoluted and just say, fuck it, if you're going to, like, ruin the, uh, the utility of the tables match, what you should do is you should be even more convoluted. And the rules should have been that you have to be put through the table with an offensive move. And then once you've been put through the table with the offensive move, now you're eligible to be pinned. So both guys have to get put through tables. Then you're eligible to be pinned. And then you get pinned still. So basically you just completely ruin and make the entire tables match pointless. But at least people would understand it better. Because, yeah, I just think that Tony, like, trying to get too convoluted but not going all the way just, like, made it so that people don't understand it and they're just too dumb. So I just wanted to uh, to point that. I had two options. I have, like, the smart option, which is just stick with the basic rules and uh, just book the match the way you want it to be. Or uh, go over the top and just make the shit completely stupid and convoluted and, and and no one will understand what the fuck is going on. And that those are your two options. Yeah, I feel, I feel,
1: I feel like a tables match is, like, Pretty straightforward. So, like, I haven't seen it, but it was, like, but, like, seeing the reaction, I'm, like, yeah, I don't know why you would, like, try to just, like, mess with a tables match kind of thing, but, like, it should be, like, a really straightforward, yeah. uh, straightforward, I- straightforward idea, but... Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, make it basic. Definitely.
0: Doing it forever. Just double tables. Okay, we get it.
1: Yeah. Even if you wanted to, like, do a thing where you wanted to, like, have, like... Yeah, like if you, you could, because you can still get to the same spot regardless. About like, even if you did the thing where you had, um, like Butcher and Blade both go through a table, like after after a Jeff Hardy swanton. If you even if you still wanted to do that, like like it still works either way. Yeah. Like you can still get to that same point either way because someone's going through a table. Like, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, well, but well, other than that, I don't, I don't, I don't have, any, I don't have anything else unless you do.
0: Um. I had a couple more quick recommendation matches that I wanted to throw out there, but I literally forgot them. The only one that I remember off the top of my head right now is um, Jake something versus Max the Impaler. I would recommend people check that out from Glory Pro Cemetery Gates. Um, and then otherwise, I think we mentioned most of the stuff that I think was good that people should check out um, that we haven't we haven't said. Um, there's a Lufisto versus Holly Dead match that was actually pretty good. I would recommend people check that out as well. Um, but off the top of my head, I don't remember what... Oh, that was a uh, Bangers Only by Mission Pro, so those are the matches that I would say check those out um, that I didn't mention. Otherwise, I'm good.
1: Alright, and I think, I'm, I think I'm good, too. Um, in a couple of days, it looks like oh. Zack and Okada is happening uh, at, at Hyper Battle, Sumo Hall. Um, the semi-main, I think, is Despy versus Sho. I I mean, I, I've lost hope on show and house of torture thing. I don't think any, anything about it is going to work. But final prediction: you still have Okada beating Zack, right?
0: As of right now, yeah, I would say I'd say Okada keeps the title. What do you think?
1: <sighs> it feels like it's kind of like an innocuous show, but it's still sumo hall. <sighs> I'm gonna say Zach. I'm gonna say Zach, man. It's probably, probably wrong, but I'm gonna say Zach. I'm, like I feel like I'm giving New Japan too much credit at this point for knowing that they need to like do something a little bit different. Um, but I, I'm still, I'm still gonna go Zach. I
0: can't blame you. Uh, I can't blame you for that because yeah, they definitely need to do something, and this would be the right thing to do. So, I hope you're right, but. Just to make it fun, I'm going to go with the opposite. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say it's not happening. Um, we just have to come up with uh, what we're going to put on the line, I guess, for this.
1: Putting <laughs> something on the line for, <laughs> for this wager.
0: Yeah, this prediction. Oh shit! No, I don't. I don't have anything I want to put, but you know.
1: I don't. Know. I, I am not invested in this match nearly enough to want to wager. To, okay. to want to wager something on it. All right. But I'm trying to think. Would be um. Someone has to watch like that really fucking long Jordan Oliver match or something. Oh God, that would be pretty. (laughs) Too too extreme. Yeah, I mean,
0: uh, oh the uh, the the two hour Deppin one. Yeah. Ooh. I mean. Yeah, that's kind
1: of extreme. That's kind of extreme.
0: (laughs) Very extreme. I would almost say okay, but I'm like at the same time I'm like I don't want to make you do that. That's that's honestly the side of it. I would do it, but I don't want to make you do it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a rough one. Um, either way, I guess I don't. We don't have to put anything on the line here. We can uh, we can just have it be a, a matter of just a prediction. But yeah, I, I think Okada's keeping the belt.
1: All right. But that's it. But that's it for us on uh, on this week. Uh, thankfully, we didn't go four hours talking about WrestleMania weekend. So glad glad we did not glad we did not do that. But thank you all for listening, and hope you're here next time.